Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Morning, everybody. Welcome to Friday. Oh, please send some sunshine, please. please. We've all been very good. We've had a nice week. We've been nice to people. We've not been nice to people. We've been caring about people. Just a bit of sunshine. I'm not asking for a huge amount, but just something to see us through over the weekend. Uh, On the programme this morning, the newspapers. Uh, They've done a little bit on older hay, because as I said to you the other day, I, I almost made a correct prediction. There will be loads of people outside campaigning against the switching off of the machine of this uh, little child who the judge has already decided in the case of uh, Alfie that there is no life. There is no life. The moment he's taken off the machine, he dies. And that's what they want him to do. They want him to die peacefully. But these people outside obviously think they know better than the courts, the judges and the doctors and the nurses and the people who look after him. And so there's a hundred of them. They'll be out there. Uh, Some people will be there for all the wrong reasons and some people will be there for all the wrong reasons. Because there is no right reason on this. There is no right reason at all. You know, if if you are the father of little Alfie or the mother of little Alfie, it does tend to be the father who seems to be sort of stirring something up. They've said there is no quality of life. And he said we want to take him to Italy. And they've said it won't make any difference. It really won't. These people are experts. They know what they're talking about. Not in every case, but in this one... You know, there's there's a whole raft of... They don't just have one person say, oh, so what do you think? Turn it off, turn, leave it on, you know. They don't do it like that. It's done, you know, very carefully. They're dealing with a, a 23-month-old child. But these people out there, you can see that some of them are going to get really nasty. You know, and these are the sort of people you don't want at these sort of demonstrations. Hospitals are there to do the best that they can for people. So, you know, I think really, go home, leave it up to the family, let this little child die peacefully. You know, it'd be awful to think, actually, that, you know, this poor child is going to die while people are shouting and screaming outside and throwing things. Nurses and staff have been threatened in other hospitals when this sort of thing has happened before. They don't just make these decisions, but these people are nasty. They mustn't do it. They really mustn't. Uh, do you and all the staff at the uh, the National at work, sorry, do, do the na- they do, but they do it during the daytime. It doesn't work for us. I've, I've tried that one before, actually. And... Uh, so I, I never get a horse in the National. Only once, I think, did I get a horse. They do it during the daytime. There isn't a, nobody ever does it at night time because there's, there's only a few of us here. So there's no point. But I, I will bet on uh, a few horses. Tomorrow. I'll probably pick about four or five. I generally do four or five, and I might do, because I'm reckless, 50 quid. 50 quid, you know, £10 wins. And if it, if it pays off, it pays off. If it doesn't pay off, it doesn't pay off. Last year, I wasn't very good. year before... I picked up about, I think it's six, seven hundred pound, which is very pleasing when you walk out of the betting shop with 600 quid in cash. It doesn't matter. You know, I'd staked about, I think about 40, I thought, but again, about 40 or 50 pounds on it. And uh, and it was it was not bad. I'm looking at, you know, what, what you can win on all of the horses. And I've got a couple which I'm not going to share with you. I've decided I'm definitely not, not going to share with you. Because otherwise people say, oh, I t-, and also I could get myself into trouble. People go, oh, I listened to Steve Allen, and he said he thinks this one's going to win. And, and it didn't. And there'd be, some, there'd be some buffoon somewhere who would complain. Somebody the other day wrote in and blamed me for people's loneliness. Have you ever heard of such a thing? I seriously thought I'd pass it on to the police. It's a lot easier if, you, if somebody's that sick in the head and needs some help. And then I also got blamed for the systematic closing down of M&S. I'm more, I'm more powerful on this programme than I thought I was. Can you imagine? Responsible for people's loneliness. Some sad person somewhere, obviously, you know, bad spelling, usual sort of things. But um, what's the other one? Um, 
Oh, yes, the plight of the chickens um, who are reared for the supermarkets. And it's only a matter of days, I think, that it actually takes them to be reared. It might be 90 days or something like that, whatever it is. The cheaper the chicken is, the faster it's been reared. They go from little chicks, you know, and they only want certain ones, so a lot of them get killed and fed as food to other to other chickens. That's the way it goes. I'm sorry to break the hard and fast rule. And yet they go, oh, chick- we consume tons of chicken, tons of chicken. And it all comes from sort of, you know, these farms which rear millions of chickens. I mean, millions and millions of chickens. So we'll talk about that a little bit later on this morning. Uh, also, the, the bloke who decided he, he saw the price of a train ticket to Bristol, which was £218. And it was cheaper Cheaper for him, believe it or not, to go and buy a car, insure it, put petrol in it, and, uh, and and get there for the day and back. And he did it for a lot cheaper. I'll tell you how much. Uh, also, do you remember the, the blokes uh, who were stripping for charity? The uh, the top A-list people uh, were stripping off. And, um, and we all thought they were doing it for charity. We all thought because cancer had affected their lives. We all thought we were misled by ITV because it said on the website they were doing it for charity and the women were doing it for charity, the Victoria Derbyshires of this world. Uh, and I thought, oh, good, she's doing something for charity. No, 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 they were trousering 10 grand. The papers have said today, give the money to charity. Give it to charity. If you don't, I'm not, not going to hound you. <coughs> Excuse me, but um, no. We all thought, if we'd known you were doing it for money, you could have asked anybody in the world for 10,000 quid, they'd all do it. Uh, John Bishop blasts the burglar cops. He can't quite believe that people erect a shrine to somebody like that. Uh, The drunken jet passengers to be fined on the spot. Brilliant. They're going to do it at the uh, the National as well. We've had Ladies' Day. Well, I say Ladies' Day, and there's some rough things that turn up there. And people just get horribly drunk. Now they're going to be removed from the premises, which is good. Uh, Like the British Airways flight attendant who was so drunk, she was ten times the booze limit. And she was flying the skies. I mean, that's, that's seriously a problem, isn't it? That is, I mean, I'm thinking that if you were ten times the limit, that is a very, very bad problem. Uh, Cyril Smith, the damning truth, the old pervert. Uh, we should strip him of the Sir Cyril Smith. The papers are calling for that. I mean, it was quite clearly going on. On a huge scale, there was uh, cover-ups. Young boys were ferried around to Cyril Smith, who was then systematically abusing them. And um, and it, it, they have to strip him of the title, simple as that. And yet every time he turned up on telly, people go, "Oh, it's Cyril Smith again." And you know, we go, and it's only then afterwards we realised. Also, the seaside town's new carnival queen could be a boy. Spare a thought for those who live in Whitstable, ladies and gentlemen, uh, because that's where it's happening. And uh, today is Friday. The we're not saying. I'm not going to say on the program. Because I think it's I think it's unlucky. I don't know. I can't remember why. Is it unlucky because we're 13 at the table of the Last Supper? That's all I remember, actually. And it's ever since then. Why is it unlucky to walk under ladders? Can somebody, I mean, obviously, because a pot of paint could fall on you. But I mean, that's you could smash a mirror. Yeah. It's the only thing I can think of. If you walk under a ladder, there is a very good chance that you could um, have it collapse on you or something. Then you could be damaged. But the 13 was definitely the Last Supper, I think, Christ and the Last Supper, and there were 13, and that's why it was unlucky, because he was then uh, he was then sorted out by Judas Iscariot. A nasty little piece of work. Uh, 84850, uk. Uh, we've also got Cliff Richard. Uh, he's taken on the BBC. I mean, personally, everybody thinks the same as Cliff Richard. He's never been charged with anything. He was never going to be charged with anything at all. And yet the BBC put up a helicopter with a film crew 
They waited until the police were there so they could get their, their camera crew up. And then they filmed going into Cliff's flat. He only knew about it because he's watching the television in Portugal. And they start showing somebody going into it. Nobody said a word to him. They go into his flat and the BBC are following them round with a the film crew. And you think, well, I tell you what, let's start going round to the news editor's house, shall we? Start getting some cameras on his bedroom first thing in the morning. You know, just in case something might have been going on between him and his partner. Disgraceful. Disgraceful journalism. I mean, I've heard of some journalism, but by God, this is a, this is a bad one. Ruined his life. Ruined his life. Luckily, he's sort of, uh, <coughs> he's sort of back on the, uh, on the straight and narrow, which is, which is good news for everybody who knows him. And who likes him. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, also, stories in the paper today. Oh, it's betting everywhere. I'm going to look like a programme that's encouraging gambling by the time we've finished. I'm not, I don't mean to encourage gambling. If you're weak and feeble, please turn off the radio and go and listen to something else. Ooh. Because um, I, I don't want you to be sort of led down the path of loneliness or a, or a bet on the Grand National, which means you could lose everything. It's like coming up with lottery numbers. I used to say years ago, oh, the, lottery, oh, the lottery's moved. Moved from the BBC, hasn't been shown on the BBC for ages, uh, to ITV. Stephen Mulhern is going to be presenting it. There you go. There's a couple of grand in his pocket every Saturday night. Very nice. Does that boy never stop working? Does he never stop? I say boy. Heavens above, he's nearly as old as I am. But does he never stop working? No, so it's going to ITV. But I don't, to be honest with you, I don't know anybody who actually watched the lottery and ticks off on their cards. People just used to take it into the shop where you bought your lottery ticket and they put it on the machine and it either goes beep, in which case you one anything, or beep, 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 and then it tells you, oh, there's £10 on that one, or whatever it happened to be. I'm hoping it's going to say £80 million or something like that. That'd be a nice surprise, wouldn't it? That and a bit of sunshine. That and a bit of sunshine, and I'd be, I'd be more than happy, more than happy, but you can't have everything. So uh, you just got me and you between now and 7 o'clock this morning. A little bit later on as well, we'll play you uh, a couple of clips of the guests for In Conversation for Sunday evening. Uh, we'll also talk about... Uh, the Lion Tamer, the final curtain, the council have turned down the last Lion Tamer. Um, I don't think we had that many uh, lions in this country. A lot of the acts with lions go abroad because the European circuses love animal acts. You go to Vegas, animal acts. You know, that's what you get a lot of. Secret and Roy were famous until that, that uh, sort of famous uh, lion scene uh, and poor Roy. Um, you know, that it, it changed. And I saw Roy... After he uh, sort of came out of hospital, he's, he's a completely different person. But there again, you look at the size of these animals, they're huge. They've got a picture of one of the lion tamers today uh, kissing a lion, big lion. And you think, it's still a wild animal, still a wild animal. But uh, they've, they've said no, so probably all these acts will go abroad. You go to Monaco, you can get uh, live animal acts in the casinos and all sorts of things. Interesting. Uh, plus, going up in the world, the Devon village that's rising... By two centimetres a year. It's not a lot, is it? Two, I don't know what two centimetres. Oh, I do. Uh, and nobody knows why. Nobody's got the faintest idea why it's going two centimetres a year. Um, day 10 in hospital. Who's not been visited? The Duke of Edinburgh. He's day 10. Not any one of that family, apart from Princess Anne, has bothered going anywhere near him. The Queen, I can understand. She's old as well. You know, she's, he's probably said, listen, darling, don't bother coming down. You know, I'll be out shortly. But you'd have thought that Harry or William would have gone down. Well, they're not exactly doing anything else, are they? William goes off to watch football. What a busy life that is. What a great, you know, great ambassador for the country. And, uh, and Harry's probably just sitting down with uh, Meghan cooking chicken and then, is it too early to go to bed? You know, and doing something like that. A bit of the old rumpy-bumpy. But they could have visited their, their granddad, couldn't they? 
You know, the Prince of Wales, we know he's overseas. You think he's made a conference call? Hello, Pops. Uh, oh, off we Camilla. The wife. Don't laugh, I know. We're over here in Australia having a great time, but it's very hot. You wouldn't like it at all. Um, and uh, I think they should all go and visit. How rude. If I was in a hospital, you know, I would expect my, my team to turn up and visit me if I've been in there for some amount of time. Oh, and Daniela Westbrook's left custody. Get your life in order, love. It's, it's going to end in tragedy, as we all know. So do something about it. You're at the moment kind of borderline. You know, if this, if this thing goes against you, it's not so good. So she spent time with them. And, um, and there seems no end in sight. There seems no end in sight. I don't really know what advice we can offer. We've tried it. You know, try and do something that makes you an adult. She's 44, for God's sake. 44. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. It's all going on here this morning. Do you know, sometimes, you know, you sort of, you look up and it's like a party. Everybody sort of joins in. Is Ollie, is Ollie ill? Is Ollie? No. He's, he's got today off, is he? Wedding. He's not getting married, is he? Lord above. I don't remember having a whip round for that. We always do things in this building. They have two things that they do. If it's your birthday, uh, a cake materialises. And the other thing is, if you come back from holiday, you're supposed to bring sweets. Well, most people just go to the corner shop and buy a few packets of sweets and stick them out there. Who wants to eat foreign sweets? Not me. I don't know what's in them. I was, I was going to tell you a funny story about chewing gum over in Copenhagen, but I decided not to. It sounds far too rude. Actually, Cox, uh, this morning, uh, we're looking at, and also Pratt's Bottom and things like that, all these rude names of places. that it, Well, we think they're rude. In the early days, they didn't think it was, it was rude at all. So uh, we're going to run through them this morning. It's just an excuse to use bad language on the radio. They do that, don't they? They had that the other night. Did you see with uh, with Holly Willabooby? And uh, she came up with disgusting language. And I don't think... I know her her husband is the producer of Celebrity Juice, but I don't really expect to hear stuff like that from Holly Willoughby. She was either drunk and comes up with that sort of language. I mean, it was just... It, it was, I can't even repeat it. I can't even repeat it on the programme. It shows how, how bad it, uh, it was. I forgot to give you your sandwich, didn't I, Chris? I've done it. It's in here. I haven't, uh, haven't forgotten it completely. Um, so uh, we'll be doing that a little bit later on. Plus, uh, the, the Daniela Westbrook thing. I must just go back onto it briefly, because as people wake up on this programme, you, you find somebody who listens from the beginning, and then if I repeat the story further down the line, which is, which is quite normal for this programme, because people are joining all the time. It doesn't you just get a huge audience at four. Well, we do. And, and they're sort of there. You, you actually get, um, you know, people who drop in and then people who go, oh, I've only just woken up, sorry I'm late, and all that kind of thing. And so she was questioned by the police. They'd asked three times for her to go in voluntarily um, and answer questions about uh, some incident that had happened with some money and things like that, and also some, some homophobic rant. Now, I'm either assuming, I'm either assuming that she's drunk or she's lost her marbles completely. I cannot work out what it is. She came up with this bloke she was on Big Brother with, and it was uh, it was homophobic. And I would have expected a bit more from her. But there again, why should we? Why should we? She's never given us anything at all, you know, and yet we seem to have given her everything. We've given her guidance, we've given her advice, you know, she's had various jobs, and she's thrown it all back in our faces. So here we go, love, we're throwing it back in... Your face. You pull yourself together. You're old enough and certainly ugly enough to actually, uh, you know, go out there and try and make something of your life because you've screwed it up until now, haven't you? Let's face it, you can hardly say your life's been a big success. I remember years ago sitting with you uh, on a coach where you sobbed the whole way through because of your boyfriend and both of you were on drugs. 
To be honest with you, you get what you deserve. You really do. Uh, 84850. Uh, Polio says, you're responsible for people's loneliness. What? How and why? The time you're on would shortly help those feeling lonely. It's not a heavy show. What are these people on? Well, drugs mainly. This, This one was called Mark. And he says, you are responsible for people's loneliness. Didn't quite understand where he was coming from. But as I say, you do get ill people that listen to the radio. So, I mean, I don't understand it anymore. Um, it must be hard receiving rubbish like that. No, no, no. No, it just, I just send it off to the relevant authorities. Because you, you never know if these people are balmy mad enough to sort of, you know, come up with something stupid. But they're, they're, they're generally sick. They're generally sick people. So we kind of, you know, we kind of sort of go along with it. But no, no, I never bother at things like that. It's like somebody said, what do you do with sort of abusive tweets? Well, A, I don't get them. Uh, and B, if ever we got them, the producer deletes them before they even get anywhere near me. They just go, and they've gone into the rubbish bin, so they never get seen. It's a, it's a shame, really, but we always like to laugh to ourselves about people who've wasted time. Uh, if Colleen Nolan was trousering the money, there must be extra size plus trousers, says Jane. I know. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I just think that they should have been honest with us and told us they were getting paid a fee. I mean, I'm not... Stupid enough to think that people who appear on television shows do it for, you know, the love of it. They don't. But I thought this was. I thought this was different. I thought this was people involved with whom cancer had touched their lives. And so this was their way of paying back. And they would strip on television and people would donate. Quite clearly, you thought they were all far too ugly. And that's why only four grand was donated for each programme. £4,000. Hardly worth bothering, was it really? Just to see Colleen Nolan's tits. I mean, sorry. What? I mean, come on. That's what it was. That's what it was. It was sold as that. It wasn't sold as an educational program. It was sold as they're going to be getting their boobs out, you know, and the boys would be getting their willies out, and they did. And some of the boys must have gone off stage in tears. And uh, and Jeff Brazier just stood there going, "It's got a flag on it," and you know, and they go like, "That's all it is." But when we realised they were all paid ten thousand pounds. Then it took on a whole new meaning. You might as well have just brought in professional strippers, paid them 200 quid and have done with it. If all it was was to show people bits on television, that's what people watched it for. You're not watching it to learn about cancer, are you? You're watching it to see what, you know, Victoria Derbyshire's boobs look like. That's why they went topless. That's what they did it for. Oh, it had to be so brave. Yeah, I can be brave for 10 grand. Give me 10 grand, I'll strip off and do this programme start naked. You can film it, you do whatever you like. Couldn't care less. Somebody says, do you have a no-nudity clause in your LBC contract, same as Darren? Or can you dress as you please? No, dress as I please. Dress as I please. There's never been any, uh, any dress code, strangely enough, in any, in any building I've ever worked in. In, in. in any building I've ever worked there's never been anybody who said, right, you will wear... And yet I've seen in certain uh, restaurants in London, they say, we do expect a jacket or we do expect... Uh, I mean, the Magic Circle has a dress code for members... They don't want people turning up in shorts and a T-shirt. Thank you very much indeed. They want, you know, a little bit more respect. And so I always wear a pair of jeans and a short um, and a, a short sleeve shirt or long sleeve shirt or whatever it is. And that's it. So uh, but no, there, there is no um, there is no dress code. It's radio, for goodness sake. It wouldn't make any difference why we start naked. It's a, there, there is no dress code. And uh, and it's radio, which is lovely. Uh, so uh, who will be MasterChef? They seem to have lost all the ones that I thought were going to be MasterChef. We're down to three fellas again. But does it mean anything? No, it's just a, it's just a filler on the television. Jim Davidson, bit of a filler on the television, wants to be allowed to do the generation game again. Um, I don't think so, dear. I don't think so. Uh, and also war jets on alert as the Prime Minister faces the Syrian crisis. Hasn't 
Am I getting this wrong now? Am I, did I hear something overnight that Trump has sort of gone a little bit back on what he was saying before? He's, he's sort of kind of going, oh, well, you know, it doesn't actually mean we're going to be bombing Syria anytime soon. Uh, also, five pints a week shortens your life. See ya. <laughs> five, that's all it is, five pints a week. I bet most of you listening going, oh, my God. Not going to make it all through the week, are we? And um, I will tell you about Laura Whitmore. I mean, I was wondering when she'd think of something to come up with in the newspapers. And this one, I just can't get my head round. I said, you know, there's some stories you read and then there's other stories you can't read. But anyway, she's like gone into meltdown over something that seems fairly innocuous. But perhaps I'm reading it incorrectly. Also, the garden tag for fag lag. A robber uh, who said, oh, can I just go outside and have a cigarette? Because when I did jury service... If one person wanted to go outside for a cigarette, we all had to go outside for a cigarette. All stand out there freezing to death. I think we should have all clubbed together and gone, no, we're not going outside, so you'll have to stay inside. I'm sorry if you're an addict, that's your problem. Uh, also, what was the other one I quite liked? Oh, the under-11s who pay with contactless cards. They have cards? Seriously? The under-11... Blimey, 11 years old. The only thing I ever got was a postal order. Oh, look! There's uh, William. Oh, no, sorry. Well, I thought he was doing a job. I do beg your pardon. He was just wandering back from the football game that he attended. I wonder how much he paid for his ticket. If indeed he paid for his ticket. But uh, he went there and he got his picture taken. And that was it. And I'm thinking, shouldn't you be setting an example and doing a job? You know, at one time he flew a helicopter and apparently saved millions of people's lives and is the Mother Teresa of the Whirlybirds. And then the next minute, he's not doing anything else. Harry appears to have given up on work completely. He's done a couple of versions of the games, which is basically somebody else organising, and he just sits there and goes, it's my games. And uh, and he doesn't do anything either. What do they do? What do they do all day? They go shopping secretly with hoodies on and sort of can be found perusing boots. Oh, I went the other day to Marks and Spencer's. Remember I complained bitterly the other day? I go to Marks and Spencer's at uh, Richmond Station, and I ask for a 5p bag. Because I, th- I had a couple of sandwiches and some sour cream and chive dip. And I thought it goes in. And so they give me what I call a sandwich bag, which is about a third of the size of the 5p bag, which is not as strong as the 10p bag. And so she charged me 5p for it. I said, that's not a 5p bag. She said, yes, it is. I said, that's a sandwich bag. And they were always a sandwich bag. They'd say, do you want a sandwich bag? And they, they were given away free. Now, Marks and Spencer's at Richmond Railway Station, are charging 5p. So yesterday I went in there to buy a couple of sandwiches, and, and I go to the other counter, and the woman's got the, the proper 5p bags there. So I said, is that a 5p bag? She said, yeah. I wanted to say, well, how much are those sandwich bags? Because, frankly, if they're charging for those, that's just rip-off. And so I bought a proper 5p bag. What I should have done is taken my bag with me, so I've got them today, I shall take them with me. But uh, that, that really annoyed me, actually. I thought, they're ripping you off, aren't they? And then, then... <laughs> I give her a £20 note. First of all, she holds it up to the light. OK, like she knew what she was looking for. And, and then she puts it on the, uh, the counter. And then she gets the pen out, you know, which if you wipe it over and it goes black, that means it's a fake note. I mean, even I could tell looking at it. She'd have to be, you know, either three sheets to the wind or a bit dim not to notice what a real note looks like. Because even I can tell the difference. And so she wipes the pen on it. So I'm, I put some stuff in the bag. So give me the change. And and then she wipes the pen over it again in a different area. I felt like saying, what are you doing? So when she gave me the notes, I, I stood in front of her and held them up to the light, thinking, don't take the mickey out of me, love. I'll do the same to you. So I held them up to the light, looking at them. I could see her looking at me, thinking, what's he doing? I'm checking the notes, love, like you were checking my note. 
I don't have fake notes. They come out of machines. They're already checked beforehand, but there again, you know, obviously I look like I'm about to cheat you with a fake 20. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome to Friday. It's the... That day in April we don't talk about. It's only I realised the other day, actually. I thought, oh, right, that's interesting. <laughs> kind of tried to forget about it. Cause, just in case you're superstitious. You know, I'm not particularly superstitious. Um, but, you know, there might be some people who think if you mention it and then something bad happens today. Something bad will happen to somebody, but it's got nothing to do with the day, I promise you. Uh, jobs at risk as a company called Cleanies goes under. I didn't know who they were. Apparently, these are people who turn up at your doorstep, flogging your dusters and stuff like that. Apparently, they employ about 300 people or something. Uh, Cyril Smith, in a lot of the papers today, they're saying, should Lord Steele now apologise and strip Cyril Smith of his sir? He had a knighthood as well uh, for services to who? I can't imagine. Uh, Going up in the world, that Devon village, how can it be rising by two centimetres? I mean, what is that? And there's all of a sudden there's going to be some huge explosion. It turns out it's been built on a volcano long since extinct from the Jurassic period. The plight of the chickens reared for the British supermarkets, cramped and dying. Well, they're going to die anyway, aren't they? I suppose the argument would be from certain people listening. But uh, you would like to think that yours was a happy chicken. I don't think there's any such thing as a happy chicken. I don't think they know. All they know is, you know, you're out and then there's loads of people who look like you and, and then you eat food and, uh, and then somebody sort of collects you and puts you in a cage or a case, a plastic case. Then you're transported, uh, although sometimes actually they're, they're in the same place where they're going to be done away with. And, um, and then the next thing, you're hung upside down, your feet are clipped into like a little clip thing. And off you go on the merry-go-round. The merry-go-round, ultimately designed to strip you of your feathers, your head, and just about anything else. Because we consume copious amounts of chicken. And there's no way you can tart it up. There's no way I can make it sound, you know, any more exciting for you or any more distasteful. Because it happens to all the animals. That's how they kill them, I'm afraid, nowadays. You wouldn't want to watch it. You really wouldn't. Uh, A machete crime takes place in our streets every 90 minutes. And why is the Daily Mail... They do, have they got some deal in with Boots number 7? This is not the first time they've done what is basically something... They're, 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 they're selling this cream to you under, under the guise of, oh, is it, is it just, you know, a sham? Is it this and that? Listen, women will buy anything. You know, once they've said 17,000 people are waiting for this cream, I'd never even heard of it until I read the Daily Mail. And you sort of look at it and you just think, so it's £38, this cream. You seriously believe that something for 38 quid... It's going to be taking five years off your life. They did a piece the other day. Stuart Miles did a piece in one of the magazines. Hello, I think it was, on how the Queen looks so good at the age of 92. Do you know what she doesn't do? She doesn't go in the sun. Everywhere she goes, she's got a hat on. Everywhere she goes, if it's sunny, she's got an umbrella over her head. She does not let the sun... So that's why she's got that English rose complexion. She does not go in the sun. And they've always said, you know, we... Of course, in our little minds, think, oh, sunshine, let's go. Oh, blimey, he's a bit pale, isn't he? Looks like Uncle Fester. And, um, and, and we, we go and sit in the sun and we bake because we want to be brown, because brown signifies healthy. No, it doesn't. It signifies skin cancer. That's what it signifies to me. You've got to be very careful. You're supposed to sort of, you know, put loads of sun cream on, uh, skin protector, because, you know, and babies and people like that, they go, oh, look, they just love running around, don't they? Have you covered them in, in oil? to stop them, you know, getting burnt and stuff like that. Biggest biggest killer now, skin cancer, huge problem. So the Queen goes nowhere near the sun. You ever see the Queen sitting on a beach? Just not going to be... If she's going to be sitting there, she's under a parasol and it's going to be protecting her from the sun. Me too. 
I mean, much as I do quite fancy the idea, now I'm all burnt anyway. I don't want to be sort of adding to the burns. Uh, somebody says here, 90 or not, how odd the Queen has not visited the Duke. She doesn't have to use the bus or the tube and is transported in comfort. Peculiar, cold-hearted family. I know. Ten days he's been in there, poor soul. And, uh, and he's just seen Princess Anne. Why have the boys not been to see him? How rude. How rude. They're supposed, you know, they're, they're trying to sell us that they're a, a together family. The Queen's 92, so I could understand maybe she's not going. He might have said, don't bother, don't bother coming down. I should be back home very shortly. And Princess Anne takes it. I mean, ten days it's taken them to get there. I wouldn't mind, she's not that blooming far away, Gatcombe Park, is she? And the boys could definitely go. They're only up the road at Ken, Kensington Palace. Not that difficult. They haven't got anything else to do at the moment. Not that really they had very much to do anyway. Uh, talking about sandwiches, all those lucky few that got invited to the royal wedding have been told to take their own picnics. No head table for them, says Jane. Well, actually, uh, they've invited 600 to the wedding, but only 200 to the celebratory dinner. And, uh, and, and that'll be it. So presumably 200. They've invited all the Spencer family, we are told. Uh, Dennis in Banbridge, says, I'm thinking of pulling out of the National Lottery after reading that Camelot increased profits by 39 million whilst returns for good causes declined. That's despicable profiteering. and The government is allowing it. Richard Branson should have been allowed to run it when he applied. I'll maybe go with the, the Poppy Lottery. At least it might do something good for our service people. Yeah, I tried the postcode lottery and I won, I won on that one, 18 quid or something. And, uh, you know, because to be honest with you, I don't really want to open the door to uh, to Jeff Brazier going, hello, <laughs> going, what do you want? Go, look, I've got an envelope for you, Steve. And then he rips it open. I say, excuse me, it's addressed to me. Why are you opening it? Let me open it. And uh, then it goes 136,000. I go, oh, take it back, mate. I don't want it. You keep it. You're obviously in, mu- in much need of it. <laughs> How about Alan Carr hosting the Generation Game, says Marion. How about Alan Carr not presenting ever again? How about that one? He's leaving Channel 4, isn't he, apparently? He's been offered something somewhere. Benghazi or somewhere like that. Portside. Far enough away. I mean, deeply unfunny. I'm sorry, you know, the days of queens on the television have just gone past, you know. I mean, I'd like to see some positive gay role models. You know, people who are gay, who don't sort of, you know, act the giddy goat, as it were. You know, the day of sort of Alan Carr sitting there like some 70s queen from an old pub in Sheffield. I'm afraid are long gone. We've moved on a little bit. You know, I know quite a number of gay people, quite clearly, I'm in the business, a number of gay people working on television who don't feel the need to be flamboyant. You know, it's a bit irritating. It winds people up. I think not all the time, but, you know, there's certain... I thought Alan Carr just... It, it went unfunny years ago. Giving people booze on a television programme. I mean, I could sit here with... I could open a bottle of Prosecco this morning and sit here on this programme and probably do the funniest programme I've ever done in my entire life. But, you know, I don't want people to think, oh, my God, it's 20 to 5 in the morning, Steve Allen's drinking. I don't want you to think like that because I always thought... I mean, I might be wrong, that the... The image of an alcoholic was somebody who, who could drink all the time. I used to have an alcoholic producer, as you know, who's uh, long since dead. And, uh, and that's all he did. He drank. He drank from morning, noon and night. So by the time he got in the studio in the morning, he'd already had a few pints. And then he would drink throughout lunchtime. He would sip it to make it look as though he wasn't drinking a lot. And his idea of, you know, because he didn't want to keep going to the pub by himself, but he would... You know, if nobody wanted to go and he'd find people to go with and he'd always put his hand in his pocket and pay for the first round. He was always very good like that. So, you know, sort of alcoholics do it to please themselves. But going out for dinner with him never ate anything. He just moved it around the plate. And I remember it was a regular restaurant he'd been to. And I asked the, the, the waiter and he said, no, he won't eat it. He'll just move it around the plate. Occasionally he'll sort of dip a chip in or something. And that's about it. Because the booze becomes your, 
your your food. Very disappointing. Very disappointing. Especially when there's people like Phil Vickery. They probably cook you up a storm in the morning. Did you hear about the breakfast places, Phil? Yesterday, the uh, the top one was 99 pence for breakfast. 99p for breakfast. I wasn't even aware you could make it. What sort of quality food is it, though, at 99p? And they make a profit. The other one, which sounded better to me, was the one in Wembley, which is 3.95, or the super deluxe breakfast, 4.95. That sounded right up my tree. Right up my tree completely. I have to wish there were people here at this time of the morning going, did you want to cook breakfast before you start, Steve? Yeah. Can I have fried bread? Actually, I might even have runny eggs on fried bread. Maybe not. <laughs> Sorry, I've changed my mind on that one. <laughs> Change my mind. Uh, Steve uh, says, Eva, uh, I'm working. And I was falling asleep, but now I'm listening and laughing, which is good. Uh, the latest health news, says uh, Lee, is that 4am is when most people die from a heart attack. Perhaps you should now start at 5. Actually, the good news is I've been doing this so long now, I'm living proof that even at my age, you've still got cooking with gas. Cooking with gas. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, Phil says um, uh, 99p, not too sure about that. They can't make a profit on 99p, can they? Are they doing, what were they doing? Beans, sausage, egg, bacon and toast. And 99, I mean, I don't know how they're making it. I really don't know how they're making it. Uh, John Warrington could do scores on the doors, says Kevin the Milkman. You could do the generation game. Do you know, I thought about that the other day. Somebody else mentioned it. And then I decided that there was no way that I I could ever do anything like that. A friend of mine, Anthony, uh, sent me a thing from Five's Company, me doing a tightrope walk. And he went, he went, wow, because he's he's sort of... Not super obsessed with me. He, he likes me and he likes Nick Abbott and he has his favourites that he likes on LBC. But at least he's at least he's regular, which is good news. Uh, the Queen hasn't visited Philip because she's on a 10-day all-inclusive in Tenerife getting a few rays. Says Simon. <laughs> there you go. Phil, Phil says it depends on the quality. But, I mean, 99p they're selling it for. I mean, if that... I, mean, I don't know how they do it. I mean, seriously, that is that's unbelievable. It's including toast, presumably butter or margarine or something. I don't know. They must have worked it out, mustn't they, that they can make a, a profit. Uh, Steve, I think Michael Barrymore would be the ideal candidate for the Generation Game, says Francisco. Francisco, um, I don't know, actually. I, don't, I mean, I, it, I thought about this the other day because somebody else mooted that he, that he could be actually very good. And I then thought, yeah, perhaps, perhaps he could be. But I saw him on the television the other day doing that programme, the tribute to Larry Grayson. And I wasn't sure whether or not he was he was slightly losing it. I, I really I wasn't too sure. Uh, Phil Vickery says my butcher can make a sausage with no meat in it. Good heavens above. There you go. Imagine a sausage with no meat. What would be in it? It would be filler, wouldn't it? I'd like to see that, Phil. Like a photograph of that, please. Uh, Tommy says, I'm sorry, Steve, but Scarlet Moffat is a bigger significance of the royal family, and that's being generous. Well, she's certainly big. She's certainly big, Tommy. There's no doubt in my mind of that one. I saw the picture of her coming back from Hollywood. She's ballooned. And it, yeah, I'm looking a picture here in front of me now of her in a bikini, thin, emaciated little person because she she did her diet on her DVD. No, she didn't. No, she didn't. What she needs to buy is a DVD and eat that as opposed to all the food she's shoving in her gullet. Perhaps she needs to follow her own advice, but no, she was thin. Look at her now. She is the size of two small beach huts. You know, I'm sorry, I just... I get annoyed. And there's the other celebrity, I'll tell you about them, probably either later on the free podcast for today, um, who's pictured putting on weight and dropping subtle hints like, oh, I put on loads of weight and all the rest of it. And the fan, 
has come back with, you're making a diet video, aren't you? That's what they do. They stuff their faces and then they go, oh, I need to go on a diet. Oh, look, here's me all thin again. You think, because it's fake. It's fraudulent. Don't ever, 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 unless it's Davina McCall, buy a DVD from a, a third-rate Z-list celebrity, OK? They're not, they're not celebrities. They are third-rate and they are Z-listers, but they know nothing about dieting. They're doing it for the, for the money. A bit like stripping and showing your boobies. You know, that's the kind of thing. If somebody said to me, you know, would you like to take all your clothes off for 10,000 quid? Hello? <laughs> of course not. Don't be so ridiculous. 10,000 to keep them on. Because when Arch took his clothes off, I mean, seriously. I mean, that was a body that wasn't even out of condition. It just wasn't a body. He put on tons of weight. Tons of weight. And then Lydia Dim the other day called him, you know, in the downstairs department, Mr. Teeny Tiny. What a stupid woman. What a stupid woman. Um, homogenous fat and water. Is that what's in your sausage, Phil? Homogenous. Is that homogenised? I don't know what that is, actually. It sounds disgusting. It sounds revolting. But you're right. I was told you could put filler in into sausages like, um, I don't know, filler meal and things like that and sort of barley and so Sounds horrible, doesn't it? It's like the, these sausages I keep seeing advertised for vegetarians and it's shaped like a sausage. What is it with vegetarians that they want everything shaped like the normal food we have, which is sausages? I do like a good sausage. I, I don't think it'll come as any surprise to anybody who listens to this programme. Got to be 97% meat, though. I, I will only go 97% meat. I've tried them. I saw them... Advertised on the... T- I told you a short while ago, and I remember thinking, oh, that looks nice. And they were Richmond sausages. <coughs> Excuse me. So I went and bought a packet. And I took them out, and my, my, my packet was glowing. They were a bit phosphorescent. And I looked at them, and I thought, I'm not even sure they're in skin. I, wasn't, I really wasn't sure what they were in at all. They were like sort of chipolatas, and I generally like a good chipolata. And, and I, I fried one up, and I looked at it, and I thought, I don't think I'm going to be eating that. And, you know, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't, uh, I didn't eat it. I, in fact, I threw them away. I've gone mad, actually. I've decided I'm completely round the bend. I'm throwing things away now, which I'm not supposed to be throwing away. And um, <laughs> Phil Vickery says, not my sausage, uh, which wouldn't be... Uh, and uh, also Andy Peters is back with us again. He's up early this morning. What's he doing up at this time? Oh, he'll be doing the television. It'll be a competition thing or something. And... <laughs> Everybody did impressions of Andy Peters, didn't they? <laughs> Still remember all the television programmes and stuff. He lives down the road from me. Occasionally I see him in, in Twickenham. I don't like to wave. It's embarrassing. It's, you know, don't do things like that. We're in the business and that's as far as it goes, really. Did you ever do Airfix plane models as a child? Do I sound like the sort of person who did Airfix plane models? No, we did. I, I always played kamikaze. And that meant you kind of built them and then you just crashed them into the ground, which was good. Uh, meat content is fat as well. Ooh. Oh, don't say that. Now it's got confusing for me. Now it's got confusing for me. I, but I, I do want, and I haven't had it, because I tried it once at Squire's Garden Centre in Twickenham. It was rubbish. You know, proper fried bread like my mother did. So it's not... You don't burn it like it's toast. It's got to be just lightly done, so it's still soft and springy in the middle. God, honestly, I need to eat something. <laughs> I've stopped eating sandwiches in the morning. Have you noticed? I've stopped eating sandwiches. I'm being quite good, actually. Uh, Steve, uh, listening. This is a tired mummy uh, with a six-week-old baby boy. You can't sleep, but your programme is very entertaining. A new generation of listeners, says Aggie in the making. Oh. And it's true, Steve, uh, says Adrian. We are lonely when you finish your show and have to wait for you the next day. There you go. I don't think anybody should ever be lonely. It was so ridiculous. This, but this is the point. If you just joined us, the person who wrote to me saying yesterday, you know, you're, you're the reason that there are lonely people. 
I wasn't sure whether they were sort of somebody bit ill, you know. Quite a few screws missing. The lights are on, but nobody's home. The lift does not go to the top floor. We're quite a few sandwiches short of a picnic. And I thought, you must be really sad. Really sad. Uh, Steve, I have a birthday shout-out. Oh, oh, could I have a birthday shout-out from Aussie Boy? Make my day, says Jane. Um, no. He's gone home. Uh, I'll, I'll do it for you. Oh, hi. Uh, happy birthday. Sound a bit like him, does it? But, uh, and somebody says, I was going to have a carrot for breakfast. Shut up about sausages. Oh, you can't. Have you opened the fridge and discovered that there is no food in there? Isn't that the worst? Because you sit there thinking, I've got no food in the fridge. What can I have? What can I have? I look through the fridge. I mean, I've got all sorts of things. I've got, um, I've got bratwurst in the fridge. I've got bacon. I've got uh, water. I've got, I've got no, no desserts or anything like that. I bought some fresh fruit the other day, like a fresh fruit salad uh, platter. I was going to bring it into work, and I thought, no, sod it, I'll have it later on. And uh, that looked quite good. And I had yesterday, what did I have yesterday? Oh, bacon and tin tomatoes. I've got into tin tomatoes. I'm convincing myself, I'm probably completely wrong, that they're really good. Is that the time? I haven't taken a break, have I? Why don't you tell me these things? You know I get into trouble. I know, if you're on a roll... Yeah, but we don't have to worry about the best of now, so it doesn't make any difference if I'm on a roll or not. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to Phil Vickery's sausage in a moment. Might weave in Andy Peters. I'm sure he's got some uh, some thoughts on that. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. <laughs> so now we've decided that nobody in the royal family, apart from Princess Anne, has been to visit uh, her father. Nobody's gone. It's terrible. She's the only one. Uh, the Queen's stunning herself on a sun lounge somewhere in Tenerife, somebody put forward, and nobody else bothered to go. Seriously, it's disgraceful, it really is. Somebody says, is Sarah Ferguson invited to the royal wedding? I shouldn't think so. <laughs> not, if, not if Philip's got anything to do with it, he hates her. Listen, it's for years now, she's not been allowed anywhere near the family at Christmas. He won't have her anywhere near the place. We know that she's been into Buckingham Palace, but if he finds out, he'll go absolutely apoplectic. Can't stand her. Can't stand her. And, um, you know, he's probably in keeping with loads of other people. Nobody really knows what she does. You know, she was stripped of her uh, title and then she went to America and started... She's been invited, has she? She'll have to sit at the back. Where will she be sitting? Where will she be sitting? Prince Andrew will be sitting there with, with the girls. They'll be wearing the usual naff hats, I suppose. It's hilarious. <laughs> she's been invited. I think that's wonderful. So, is she going... I thought she was going to the other one. I thought she'd been going to um, Andrew's... Her, her, her daughter's wedding. But she's invited to Harry's. Oh, Lord. Not if Philip's got anything to do with it. I'm not going if that bloody woman's there. He hates her. They wouldn't let her go. They were trying to do some damage limitation a short while ago by sort of saying that um, that uh, uh, she was, you know, different and the royal family were warming to her. No, they weren't. They won't do anything while, while Philip's alive at all. Uh, tin tomatoes are lovely on toast. You should try them. I don't... Uh, no, no, it makes the toast go all soggy. And uh, Ronnie says, I made loads of Airfix models as a kid. My favourite was the Lancaster Bomber. Ooh. Alan's in uh, Ealing and loves the, uh, loves the royal family. As I say, looking at a picture, I think Alan is a little bit closer to the royal family than we care to mention. It might be Friday the... But I don't let that stop me from enjoying myself. This evening, my friend Michael and I are going to the Palladium to see Julie Gar- Judy Garland. Not in person, as sad as she's been dead for 49 years. But uh, in the film The Wizard of Oz with a 16-piece orchestra. I didn't really, honestly, they keep these things quiet, don't they? People like that sort of stuff, though, don't they? They really do. They, uh, they, sort, of, they sort of think it's, uh, it's good. You can go and see... What was I hearing the other day? Somebody was doing something and you could win a seat to go and see Roy Orbison, or a friend of mine, was uh, 
Tony was uh, tickets to go and see Roy Orbison. He's a hologram, and they're going to bring back. Wait a minute, who are they bringing back? Somebody told me a short while ago, and they're going to appear on stage as complete holograms, like all the way round. How that's going to happen, I've got no idea, but it sounds fantastic. I still haven't decided, <laughs> Steve, whether to go as Dorothy, the Tin Man, or the Wicked Witch. Well, follow Alan and Ealing's example. Go as Dorothy. You're halfway there already, so uh, I think that's quite a good idea. I mean, do people dress up for things like that? It will be a great night out, says David. Oh, it will. He says, I, I could go as a munchkin. Yeah, you know the problem she had with the munchkins, they were drunk all the time. That was the problem with the Wizard of Oz. She said most of the time they were abusive and they had to scour America to find as many uh, dwarves as they possibly could. And they all, some of them, I think the last one, or there's a couple still left alive from the film, and uh, they still dressed as the, as the munchkins. And there's a village, I think, in, isn't it, in Japan, which is literally just full of all little people, which I think is uh, I think it's quite sweet, actually. Why not? Why not? We love Warwick Davis. We love Warwick Davis. Uh, Steve, can you give two hard-working Kensington Met Police detectives a shout-out? Oh, God, honestly. You can't be working at this time of the morning. It's four minutes to blooming five. Nobody nobody works in the police at this time of the morning, do they? I don't think so. Well, I hope not, anyway. Lee and Sam are there, uh, mostly on catch-up. Looking forward to finishing at seven after a busy night shift. Are you in a busy part of the of the world, Kensington? Is that is that particularly high in crime? I don't mind you. I suppose everywhere in London's high in crime. The other day we had one of our reporters going out uh, when they were doing these raids, where they were finding sort of mini submachine guns and everything else. And uh, it's a, it was a drug gang. Drugs are obviously rife in London. But I remember saying to a police officer in Twickenham, you know, knowing that there was a particular place where you could buy drugs, and he said, "Yeah, we know uh, that there is uh, that that's where you you can buy drugs." He said, "But at least it's contained." And I said, well, the trouble is nowadays, you know, you can buy drugs just about anywhere. I bet you could talk to most people in pubs and go, could you get drugs? They go, yeah, yeah, just down the road you can get drugs. Tin tomatoes are very bad due to the acidity. It strips metal ions from the inside of the tin. Heavy metals are thought to be responsible for many diseases, including Alzheimer's. (laughs) Cheery thought for today. Porky white sausages are the best. Great show Uh, from James. He says, "I, I feel your love for Gemma Collins. Feel again. Uh, Moffat and Big GC can do the generation game if they could fit them on the stage, says Dave. I think it's unlikely. Uh, unfunny comedians, uh, says Simon. He's got an OBE. Well, I mean, he's put an OBE. He might not have an OBE at all. Uh, Jimmy Carr. See, I think Jimmy Carr's quite good. I mean, I, I really do. Uh, Alan Carr, yeah. Miranda Hart. I didn't, I just didn't get... I don't get Miranda Hart. I want to, but I don't. Uh, she should stick to midwife. Sarah Millican. Wow. So I think Sarah Millican's great. I just love it. It's that. It's that uh, presentation which goes well. As for the seventies camp comedians, I did love John Inman. Says Simon. Yeah, there was something about him. I watched it. Strange enough, I watched him on YouTube the other day. He was doing the good old days, and Larry Grayson was very good. You know, as a camp comedian, you know, it was that kind of sort of gentle humour. You couldn't be offended by anything Larry Grayson said. He was just he was like sort of you know your favourite uncle from next door or your favourite granddad or something like that. Nowadays it's just you know we have to put up with Ryland with his silly teeth and his you know it's just just not very good. Just not very good, you know. All these people just have a look at the uh, at the figures on the programmes to see, you know, that they just don't, just doesn't work. I noticed the other day that uh, Eamon Holmes uh, was sort of being rude in a roundabout way to um, Kerry Coke-Toner. Showed up in a purple wig or something. It's not for the full ticket, because they were talking about being bipolar because it hinged on to the Mariah Carey story. And he said, oh, I didn't meet... I thought you were a pain in the arse when I first met you. 
Funny that, and that's what they say about Eamon Holmes. And <laughs> how he's turned it round, but he said, but now I know what you're like and all the rest of it. I thought, oh, God. <laughs> Nothing worse than brown-nosing, is there? Uh, Steve, I have a lovely, enjoyable day off. Oh, no, have a lovely, enjoyable day off. I'm just about to get back home and then finally relax. But you kept me smiling, says Cass. Oh, we've got to do... Oh, blimey, I forgot about that, the news. I've, just, I've, I've, I've had a memo. I'm not allowed to take, uh, you know, too much time to get to the uh, the news. The British Airways flight attendant, ten times the booze limit. Uh, the garden tag for fag lag. Where's the sun? Should be arriving shortly. John Bishop blasts the burglar cops. Hundreds protesting outside Alderhey Hospital as Alfie Evans's father demands to be allowed to take him to Italy. It's not going to happen. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Still got the spike. Still there, coming up three minutes past five. And it's Friday. A little bit later, we'll have a couple of clips from the In Conversation from this weekend. The Band National, there's people demonstrating down. So they're at Older Hay Hospital and they're protesting at the, uh, the Grand National. The reason is because of the amount of horses who have died there. We'll have people protesting outside abattoirs next, won't we? I can just see it, you know, animals who are going to die here. Um, also, uh, the war jet's on alert as the PM faces the Syrian crisis. The lottery is back on the television. It's been off. You hadn't noticed, had you? It's coming back to ITV. They've got it. How long the show is, I've got no idea. Stephen Mulhern will be uh, presenting it. Daniela Westbrook leaves custody. She needs to sort her life out very quickly. Uh, over five pints a week shortens your life. And uh, John Bishop blasts the burglar cops. He can't believe it at all. And uh, Michael... Apparently is very outgoing, but quite dull and boring and only has 168 followers, I've just noticed. And uh, and says there is a world outside of Twickenham. Don't be so stupid. World outside of Twickenham? Where are you from? Oh, Durban. Oh, well, that figures, doesn't it, really? Anyway, put you out of your misery. And there you go. (laughs) We love doing things like that. Uh, Andy Peters says, good sausages, Armstrongs of Richmond uh, or ginger pig? Yep. He says, I am up to give away a motorhome and 50 grand. He says, always wave. Always wave. <laughs> I should do that last time. There was a joke about that, wasn't there? Some, I can't remember what the joke was. It was something about waving. But, uh, yeah, so a motorhome. A motorhome. Is that, that's a Winnebago, isn't it? Or is, that, or is a motorhome a smaller Winnebago? The Americans have these huge things. Did you see the one that was owned by one of the rap artists? You can rent it for, like, 60,000 quid a day. It's got a lift in it. I mean, it was the biggest thing I'd ever seen. Well, it wasn't quite the biggest thing. Uh, Lee says you're on great form this morning, travelling back home from Gatwick. At least you're keeping... Oh, that dreadful journey. Aren't motorways the most boring places to drive on? Oh, dear me. And uh, Stuart Manning... He says, uh, I'm on a long trip to Scotland. What in God's name are you doing up in Scotland? It's Friday. And Steve says, what, 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 what date is it? I'm not doing it. I'm not doing the Friday. The, I'm not doing it. I've decided just in case. And then Richard started to do it and then, then decided maybe not to. And Anthony's put down. I know what day it is. I'm just not repeating it. And somebody here, we're not too sure actually which, which planet we're on, and says it's disgraceful the likes of Colleen Nolan getting paid 10 quid for that sort of money. I'd have liked to have seen beautiful women stripping. What a con. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they were doing it for beautiful. The whole idea was that she's so, you know, she made a big deal about it. We didn't know, though, at the time. She never told us she was trousering 10,000 quid. I thought it was done for charity. The papers have said today, give it to charity. Give it to charity. Let's see, see who the first ones are. You know, if it's Jeff Brazier, he needs the money. He doesn't have any other income, so he needs 10 grand. Like, you know, you need 10 grand. But how long's that? How far does that go? A month? Two months? I don't know. But, uh, listen, it's not her fault she's been offered 10 grand. It's the, it's the television company. If somebody comes up to you and goes, oh, by the way, 
Um, I'd like you to strip off and here's £2,000. You go, thank you very much indeed. I'll take the 2000 quid. And people go, what are you taking that for? They go, well, they offered it to me. It's like, you know, all these people who are offered huge amounts of money to sort of present television programmes. It's not their problem. It'll be, it'll be down to the TV companies. Uh, I did airfix planes, says Jonathan, when I was a kid, but all the tiny pots of oil paints disappeared. My older sister had emptied them into the toilet because she wanted to see rainbow-coloured water when she flushed. And she's the straight one of us. <laughs> Actually, the funny thing is, those little tiny pots, if you hadn't used them after a while, when you took the little lid off, and they were tiny. Um, how that paint ever lasted, I've got no idea. I think we used to have to dilute it to get round the end of it. Uh, off, to, um, off to France this morning, says Moz, uh, to play a round of golf with my pal. So could you tell Sam I love her and we'll see her this evening? Uh, Sam, he's leaving you, and uh, that's the last you'll ever see of him. OK, just thought I'd say that. Just thought I'd say to make life more interesting this morning. And uh, somebody says, you sound like you've got a blocked nose, says Mark. Yeah, I've got, a, I've got a cold. Where have you been the last few days? I've got a cold. But uh, it's, it's disappearing. It's not, a, it's not a, an ongoing cold. In fact, it's an awful lot better than I thought it was. I'm just a bit sort of throaty. Just a little bit throaty. But, you know, I'm one of the very few people who has to talk for three hours. There's not many people who do that at this time of the morning, but I do it. And that's why we get the figures. Jimmy Tarbuck has to be the unfunniest comedian of all time, says Pablo. And you see, again, I've got to disagree with you. I've got to disagree. Jimmy Tarbuck made his career by pinching other people's material. And it was all swinging, you know, all that kind of stuff. And he was he was the Liverpool comedian. They loved him at the Palladium. They loved him. He was cheeky chappy, you know, before there was sort of other cheeky chappies, I know. But then, you know, Jimmy Tarbuck, yeah, swinging, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, people loved it. I thought he was great. Watch him back on Palladium and, and you'll see just how, just how good uh, he is. Just how good he is. Uh, David Emmanuel. Oh, he's with us as well. Good Lord, we've got everybody this morning. How is this possible? David is over in Las Vegas. I hope you're not gambling. This boy never stops. David Emmanuel never stops working. And uh, and, and so he, he just loves it, actually. He just loves it. It keeps him going. He says, lovely sunny days out here. Now, David, you know I hate sunshine. I couldn't do it. But I am going to go back to Vegas. I'm going to go and see my friend Ian, who on his radio programme was talking about something I did on my radio programme. Because over in America, you can get away with just about everything. And his audience couldn't understand certain things that we can't say over here. So, uh, so David, uh, good evening, good morning, whatever. <laughs> Lovely to hear from you. So he's in, uh, in Vegas. Oh, dear, honestly. If you could wave the magic wand, it'd be me, Phil Vickery, Andy Peters, Stuart and uh, David Emmanuel eating sausages in Vegas. Because they don't do very good sausages in America. I don't know why, because their steaks are very good, but their uh, their sausages I didn't think were great at all. But that's just me. Uh, My mum's iron has conked out after using it for 22 years. I didn't know they made irons 22 years ago, but apparently I was just really surprised that it still kept going. Uh, Kent Corkers... Are the best sausages. They even make packs of mini sausage rolls. That's what Paul Hollywood got into trouble for. Apparently, you're not allowed to sell sausage rolls by the inch. And can you believe it? Some buffoon actually wrote in complaint to Trading Standards. He's selling them in his cafe, which is at one of the train stations in London, by the inch. And apparently, for some inexplicable reason, you're not allowed to sell sausage rolls by the inch. Have you ever heard of such a thing? And can you ever believe that somebody as stupid would ever complain about it? Selling them by the inch. Well, don't buy them then. Go somewhere else. Oh, truth, honestly. I tell you, bring out your dead this morning. It really is dreadful. Uh, the Laura Whitmore story is a very odd one because I don't, I can't get my head around it at all. 
I really can't. I'm, I'm so, mind you, we can't get our head around anything that Laura Whitmore does. It mainly seems to be done for sort of attention-seeking, but this one's sort of thrown her the other side. So, I mean, she never said anything up until now. She's obviously decided she's got to come up with some sort of uh, story. And so I will, I will tell you about it. Apart from all the letters to the Daily Star today, and um, talking about now, tributes to burglars should be binned. Uh, also... Uh, what was the other one here? Oh, that's right. Somebody says hats off to the bloke who ripped down the shrine and all this kind of stuff. It's amazing. In a recent survey, 82% of people, I think in a YouGov, was it? No, it can't be a YouGov survey. It might have been. Uh, was saying they didn't agree with the with the floral tributes. It's amazing how we, uh, how we turn. Cliff in all the papers today. His private life left shattered, as you know. His home violated and his reputation shredded in the space of a few minutes. You know, that's how the BBC operate. You know, it's dreadful, really. Perhaps we should go round to uh, to the BBC bloke who's appearing in court as well and sort of sort of shine cameras in his place and sort of, you know, that's in public interest. I want to see what his life's like. I really do. I shouldn't imagine it's very interesting, but, you know, if he's prepared to do it uh, for somebody he doesn't know, let's, let's go and do it to him as well. Uh, Megan's sisters invite Fury. She now blasts poor taste decision not to have the whole family there. Well, you know, drunken jet passengers to be fined on the spot. That was a story from the... Other day, and I thought, what a brilliant idea. I don't want to be a plane where you've got some drunken old reprobates who get on there, and we know how bad it is. Anyway, here's, here's the Laura Whitmore story. Make of this what you will. Laura Whitmore is, um, well, apparently she's a presenter, but nobody knows quite what she does. But anyway, she was on uh, Strictly Come Dancing, mainly because she'll turn up to the opening of a fridge. And she felt uncomfortable with her dance partner, Giovanni Panici, and the show left her broken. And you think to yourself, good God in heaven, what can this be? Uh, she says she cried every day during the show after being paired with Giovanni, who had split with her friend, Georgia Mayfoot. That warrants somebody crying, does it? But anyway, in a wider piece about hashtag me too and hashtag times up, Laura says she found herself in a media storm during Strictly in 2016. Uh, I love dancing. I topped the leaderboard twice, but I was thrown into the middle of a breakup that had nothing to do with me. Once again, I was a rumoured love Interest, she said. I was placed with a partner I was uncomfortable with, and in the end, I felt broken. God, in heaven, these people are a bit fragile, aren't they? They really are. There's no, there's no backbone to anybody nowadays. But uh, she says, I have a career. I've done serious work, but they want to define me as someone possibly a bit on the side. But it, I mean, well, you've milked every bit of publicity there is. I don't quite understand what what the complaint is here. That apparently. She says here, she reveals how a friend was raped by a person who has the power to screw her career. It's not you, dear, it's a friend, isn't it? I mean, I don't really understand what this story is. I mean, you... Well, anyway, you've had your bit of attention, OK? At the end of the day, you were dancing with somebody, you know, it's dancing, dear. I don't know what I can say about it. You chose to do it. You could have opted out of it. You could have said, I don't want to do this anymore. Quite easy. I'm not interested in whether you top the leaderboard. Stop being so attention-seeking. You know, pull yourself together. For the sake, you know, if you don't want to do it and you felt uncomfortable and you cried every day, well then, opt out of something. Just go, I don't want to do it anymore. You know, mention it to somebody. But, uh, you know, just doing it in the papers two years later is a bit dreary, I'm afraid. A little bit dreary. Um, cleanies. I didn't know what Cleanies was. And it turns out it's this firm that sells cleaning products. Uh, they've got agents. They work. For, it's like a catalogue firm. Um, anyway, the business has collapsed. I don't know why. Why are we not buying these things? Are we sort of are we going somewhere else? I don't know. I really don't know because you know for a firm that's been going ninety five years, that's some going, some going, and then all of a sudden, 
It uh, collapses, and all the agents... It's like, um, what was the other company that relies on agents? Is it, It's not Yardley, is it? Something like that. I can't remember. Um, and they rely on people going round to people's houses. It's, um, it's a, They sell perfume, and people put on shows, and then people order it, and then you make your commission. And uh, for some people, they're very, very successful. They make a, make a fortune at it. Absolute fortune. Uh, quickly here, I met Jimmy Tarbuck, Henry Cooper, and Brucey. At a golf course, Tarby was very rude and miserable. Henry was very friendly, says Mick. <laughs> Is Mike Yarwood still alive? Yes, I hope so. Actually, because I thought I killed him off years ago. I said, oh, Mike Yarwood's died. And people went, no, he's very much alive. Very much alive. Uh, Henry and uh, Rachel, uh, wedding guest list full of celebrities. Will we see Katie Price and JC? Says Jason. I don't think so. I wonder who their, their celebrity friends are going to be. I think they just sort of make it up to get a bit of coverage in the papers. It's a shame, really, isn't it, that you have to put celebrities there. But uh, William got uh, got Dave and Vic. She turned up looking as though she'd just sort of <laughs> wandered out of a car crash. Seriously, and we looked at it and thought, you're going to fall over in those heels. You can't walk in heels. Not so good. Uh, still to come, the, uh, the five pints a week, which shortens your life. And uh, Corrie's Steve McDonald weds again. This is his seventh, sorry, I've got indigestion there, seventh wedding. Seven weddings. I mean, who has he not slept with in Weatherfield? It'll be that Rita Fairclough, won't it? You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Final day today at the London studios. They're all moving out. They're moving over to the, uh, what used to be the BBC Television Centre. And um, I'm assuming they'll pull it down. It was a bit of a dump inside. The studios were fine. And they do lots of things over there this morning. Uh, Lorraine... I've lost track of how many things they used to do over in that uh, place. But they're all moving to the television centre, so oh, it's not too far to go, is it? Save them having to go right into town, which is quite uh, quite a good idea. And uh, so good luck to everybody there. They'll all be quite sad, because some people must have been there for donkey's years. Donkey's years. And... Um, <laughs> Which is quite uh, interesting. Uh, sorry, I was just reading a text from someone which made me smile, actually. A friend of mine who's decided to text me at this time of the morning. Why do people text me at this time of the morning who know me? I've got no idea. But they, but they just do. Terry Wogan used to get a fee for doing children in need. Yep, but at least he did a lot of work, says Mark. Organised events in his own time. No, he didn't. It was a team of people who did it all. He just had to sit there for the thing. But the orchestra got paid as well, I believe. I think that, that's part of the... It's Musicians' Union. You know, they're still doing a gig... So we don't have a problem with that. I mean, I thought that was well established anyway. Uh, but in, in the case of, you know, children in need, that raises a lot of money for charity. In the case of the women and the blokes stripping off, 8,000 quid in total for the two programmes. And they got paid 10 grand each for doing it. I mean, that's, we should do it here. We should find all the people on all the radio stations who want to come and strip off for charity. I'll do it. I'll do it. We get people to sponsor us. The more you sponsor, the more we take off. Uh, <laughs> why not? Uh, it was Avon. Thank you, Amir. It was Avon. Yeah, ding dong. Avon calling. And uh, the Avon reps would come round. They'd demonstrate everything. You'd have a little sort of like Avon party. And some of them made huge amounts of money. You've really got to work at it, though. It's not easy. Uh, unfunny comics, Phil Jupitus, Keith Lemon and Ricky Gervais. Not forgetting Joe Brand, says Tom the bus driver. Well, actually, Phil, Phil Jupitus... I don't know what his act is. I can't remember, actually, what Phil Jupiter's act is. Does he have a, a theme or something like that? Or is he just... I don't know. Uh, Keith Lemon, definitely not funny. And, you know, unless you're a drunk student off their, off their mind. Uh, Ricky Gervais, I think, is very clever. Very clever. And Joe Brand is also... I mean, Joe, Joe Brand has always played the, uh, the sort of 
the, the, the thing taking the mickey out of herself. So I think that's actually quite clever. I do that as well. And it works a treat. It works a treat. You can go, listen, I'm not particularly funny. But, you know, it doesn't really matter, does it? Or, you know, I'm a sex symbol for people who don't care. That's that's the sort of thing that people worry about nowadays. Uh, front page of the, uh, the Sun this morning, Grand National. It's a 12-page pull-out guide. Ah, you can stretch it out to 12. But mind you, I do have a copy of Racing Post, which I might take home. Uh, Cliff, uh, the BBC ruined my life. They did. It, was, it, it wasn't so much ruining of his life, which I believe it did, uh, and really knocked him and shattered him. But it was a case of how underhand they were. What, what, you know, what sort of rules they were operating under. You know, bring a helicopter in to raid somebody's house. You know, under what law do they think they're operating? I mean, really, really bad, really bad. MasterChef fans piranha sickener. MasterChef viewers watched in horror as contestants served up tooth piranha heads and grated alpaca hearts. Is this serious? Not April Fool, is it? Or something like that. The four finalists were taken to prepare dishes at the... Uh, at it's number five rated restaurant in Peru. Ooh, oh, no, thank you very much indeed. Small wonder I don't go to Peru. Uh, the lottery returns, and it's Stephen Mulhern who is going to be um, who is going to be presenting it. Uh, it's in a ninety-second slot during Britain's Got Talent, but he's on Britain's Got Talent as well, isn't it? I think that works out quite well then, quite well. Uh, what else do we have in the papers today? Corey Steve weds bride number seven. I bet you can't remember them all. First one was in 95. It was somebody called Vicky. Well done. Uh, number two in 2001 was Karen. She was mad as a barrel load of frogs. Number four in 2009 was Becky. Oh, sorry. Number three was Karen. Oh, she mar- oh he married Karen twice. Uh, five was Tracy in 2012. Uh, 2015 was Michelle. 2018, Tracy. I think it's the same Tracy again. We're sort of doing circles here. So he's been married, so it's bride number seven. Oh, dear me. And there's a dentist here, some poor dentist, with the same name as a referee in a football storm, has had threats from fans. This is retired Michael Oliver, was targeted when his English namesake's penalty award enabled Real Madrid to beat Juventus in the Champions League. So, of course, that just encourages the trolls, doesn't it? The, the tr- out they come. You know, the, the simpletons, the, uh, can you write your name? Oh, give me a week. You know, those, those sort of people. So they, they started trolling him and, um, you know, they sent abusive tweets to his phone. He's now posted on the Twitter, Dear Italy, get off my case. I ain't no referee. They're really thick, aren't they? Some of these people are quite worrying, quite worrying. And uh, so Cliff, listening at the moment, I bet he's up getting ready, I should imagine. And uh, so, uh, very nice indeed. And uh, Warren says, uh, lots of love from Mr Cliff. Looking forward to seeing you at the barbecue. That'll be uh, the barbecue, Robin's barbecue. Me too. I can't wait. I don't don't think I shall eat beforehand. I think I should try and save myself. There is an American bloke as well, just in case you sort of wonder about this, called John Lewis, who gets loads of abuse on Twitter. He always has to respond, I'm not a shop. But you get really thick people. You know, I mean, when you actually get somebody who is a troll, they're, they're simpletons. They don't they don't have any friends. You see them, I mean, not necessarily on the Jeremy Kyle show, which is sort of the classic place for trolls, uh, but generally people who, who want to get themselves pregnant with the brother of the bloke they went out with two years ago, who's now married to the mother of the girl because she's surrogate to the daughter that they had out of wedlock. And now she's working as a hooker. And the bloke she was going out with is now transgender, which we had the other day. 
I mean, it, it gets more bizarre by the day, that programme. Uh, so anyway, so Cliff, good luck today. It's always traumatic, those sort of things. But, you know, you've got um, you've got everybody with you. Everybody with you. Two pints, oh, sorry, five pints a week cuts years off your life. Bye. Five pints. Actually, I don't drink pints. They mean pints of Prosecco. They cut all... They mean... Oh, right, OK. I don't really like to think about it. That's very depressing, isn't it? Apparently, if you have three, it's OK. Four and five, heart attack. So five pints hinders and helps. So, but I mean, I know, I know people who probably say, but wait a minute, I do that on a daily basis. I mean, luckily, I don't drink pints, so it doesn't make any difference to me. Because I don't think Prosecco counts. Uh, eight for eight five. Oh, if the BBC have to pay any legal fees or... Comp- well, they do have legal fees, I'm sure. Uh, uh, to Cliff, it'll be our licence money, says Mick. Well, yeah, I mean, if, if they if the judge decides that, that they, they were wrong, well, then, yes, there will be compensation. I think I don't know how much he's claiming. I can't remember. It's it's certainly a substantial sum, you know, because you can imagine, try and put yourself in the same position. Try and put yourself in the same position. You're watching television, and all of a sudden there's a helicopter, and you go, oh, it looks a bit familiar, those roads. Wait a minute. That's my place. That's my place. It's a block of flats. Very ex- he's He's got rid of the flat. So, as you would want to, it's like being violated... And all of a sudden, you're being trawled through by police officers. <laughs> He's already had compensation from the police. This is the second stage, incidentally. And, uh, Steve, can you do a strip now on the radio? I've done it. Last 15 minutes, I've been sitting here stark naked. Stark naked, as Nick Ferrari says, as the day I was born. Uh, Jack D the other day was very good. Also, Dave Allen was hilarious. I guess they're, uh, that makes two funny Allens. Well, I think, including me, that's probably three, actually. I do this every day. You know, I mean, even if you get one laugh a day out of it, that's not bad over sort of 35, 40 years. I think that's pretty good as well. Uh, what about Paul Merton? He used to be hilarious, but feels he's lost his way, said Chris. Oh, no, I like Paul Merton. He could be listening, so I have to... I like people who listen to the programme. Uh, they're building new ITV studios in the South Bank. It'll be ready in five years, says Francisco. Well, I should imagine most of the people leaving there today will not be alive in five years. It really was a dump. It was like a horrible office block. Uh, and also, how does imposing a fine on a drunk at the airport make them sober and safe to fly, says Brian? Well, there you have me. There you have me. I don't know. I'm assuming you pick them up by the scruff of their neck and kick their bottoms out through the door and go, you're not flying with us. I don't know why airlines ever let people fly. I, I don't understand why. If you're at the airport, and don't give me this claptrap about, oh, I need a drink to steady my nerves. No, these people are drunks. These people are abusive. These people are really nasty. And uh, you just say, you're not flying. You're banned. OK, take away the passport. That's screwed you, isn't it? You're not flying anymore. It's no good just kicking them out of the airport. No good kicking them out of uh, the airport. You're just going to take away their passport. I'm sorry, it's like if I caught anybody thieving in Costco, and it does, surprisingly, it goes on. You know, parents open things and take out a chocolate bar and give it to a kid. I'd have their card, I'd cut it in half, out. Simple as that. Why should you have to put up with these people? It's not right. And, uh, and in the case of somebody drunk on an aircraft, that's dangerous. You don't want somebody running amok, do you? So no more bars at airports. You know, anybody taking booze on, off immediately. And no booze at all uh, served on the aircraft. Now, I know that's how they make their money, but they'll have to find something else. Uh, Warren says it's illegal to fly drunk. It's illegal to be on an airplane drunk. But they, they do, though, don't they? You know as well as I do, because Warren, Warren flies. And he says you can be prosecuted. I've seen people being taken off aircraft because they're drunk. The abuse that people have to put up with. You're not paid enough money, believe you me, to be abused by people who are drunk. But uh, there again, the simpletons, 
the simpletons. Uh, Steve, sad to hear the story about the flight attendant drinking on board ten times the legal limit. Ten times. I mean, that is some going. I mean, I don't know. She stood upright. I mean, presumably she wasn't... uh, What do they call it? When you're in charge, you're chief steward or somebody like that. I mean, that, that person must have gone off. Off. We've got to get this person off the plane as quick as possible. You're, you're in breach of contract. How can you have something ten times over the limit? God in heaven. That's really bad. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Sarah says, uh, Steve, Cleanies were a good company that employed local people. Not anymore. Not anymore. Another company that operates on the same principle uh, as Cleanies is Betterware. Excellent products. Well, as far as I know, they're still going. And, um, and one here from... Uh, Anna Marie, who says, I organise a very grand charity Christmas concert at the Cadogan Hall every year. Not one of the very top musicians or celebrities, uh, like Jolie Richardson, Alistair McGowan, Samantha Bond, get paid a penny. Shocking to hear some do. The trouble is, it's that argument, isn't it? This is the story of the women and the men stripping, and it turns out they got paid £10,000 each, which, considering we thought it was for charity... ITV go, oh no, it was raising awareness. Well, then somebody screwed up big time. But, you know, do you really have to pay 10000 Couldn't these people have done it? They've all been touched by cancer. That's the reason they were on there. And you think to yourself, could they not have done it? Or is it really just the filthy lucre and trousering the money? I feel heartily ashamed, actually. I feel ashamed that somebody the likes of Victoria Derbyshire and Colleen Nolan, you know, would actually trouser that money. Now that we know about it, you know, the papers are saying you should give it to, to charity. You should give it to, but I mean, they don't have to. There's no law that says they have to. I like the uh, the tweet from uh, from Tom Daly today. Very good tweet from Tom Daly, who got gold, gold. Only believe it. He says here uh, on his Twitter feed, thirty-seven of the competing nations in the Commonwealth Games criminalise uh, being lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender. Plus, he says, I feel very lucky to be able to be openly who I am without worry. I hope one day every athlete from every nation in the Commonwealth will be free to compete openly as to who they are too. Can you believe 37 nations criminalise it? It's just, it's just pitiful, isn't it, really? They're so, um, they're so mad. Yes, Warren, you can. Yes, tomorrow be good. Tomorrow be good. A lot of people talking about... Um, oh, we've talked about this, this breakfast for 99p. Somebody said even a sausage and egg McMuffin costs more. I wouldn't even know how much a sausage and egg McMuffin costs, but uh, it sounds quite appealing at this time of the morning. Uh, Phil Vickery's on the way to uh, to this morning. This must be the last time, actually. So everybody moves out today, and so presumably they've set all the other stuff up, so you'll move into a into a new building. He said, egg custard tart today. It's an egg custard tart. Is that just a tart of... I don't know. He says, one I cooked pretty much 18 years ago to the day, as it's our last day at the South Bank Studio. And we've, we've done that before. Whenever we, we've moved buildings, I always get very excited about moving buildings. Um, because it's always... In, when we arrived in this building, and it seems years ago now, I can remember they gave us a booklet to get us around because nobody knew where anything was. I couldn't find anything. I was totally useless. It's vast. This building is huge. If ever you've been to Leicester Square in London, you'll know how big it is. I mean, it's huge. Absolutely huge. Uh, what else do we have in the paper? The M20 uh, lorry DVD idiot, a trucker who was nicked watching a DVD at the wheel yesterday. Uh, apparently it's quite common. He got a £700 uh, on-the-spot fine. I'd have taken the lorry away from him. So he's actually driving along, watching a DVD. 
Is that entirely possible? These people have actually got licences. A picture of looking very sorry for herself, but we've seen crocodile tears a million times, from Daniela Westbrook, uh, holding a bag of clothes, uh, plus a note showing her police cell number. Not our fault, dear. I love the way. I mean, it's all self-inflicted. This is something she's brought on herself. It's over allegations of um, malicious communication. This is some bloke she was on the television with. I can't, he's an actor or something. He's gay. And she made some, I mean, if it was her, disgusting comments. Really disgusting. And then it also added to that. It's not just the one thing. There's quite a, quite a little catalogue here. Uh, money that apparently she might have got from somebody. And anyway, the whole thing just degenerates into something really awful. And you think to yourself, she's 44, but she's mentally, I'm assuming, she must be much younger because she has no sense of anything at all. Ever since it all started with, you know, a very average actress who shoved Columbia up her nose and thought she was being very clever, was probably offered it at parties, took it, weak, feeble, and then it just degenerated. Then her nose fell apart and then her septum fell out and then she had her teeth done and then her cheeks had been done and then it turns out it needs doing again and you begin to think, this is just going nowhere. This is just going nowhere. She's never done anything. And then she moans on television. <coughs> Excuse me about uh, the way things are going. And you think to yourself, but wait a minute, you brought this on yourself. Nobody's, nobody's made you do any of these things. Then she lapsed and went back onto the cocaine, and then she gets arrested. She's bailed to come back on May the 6th, because she ignored the first lot of things. Perhaps she thinks she's above the law. Perhaps she, perhaps she doesn't take anything seriously. Then she was over in... Although she, now she's got nowhere to live, so they said. I'm not sure whether that's true or not, because she's broke. And you think, well, go and get a job. Go get a job. There must be something you can do. Road sweeping, stacking shelves. Of course, there are jobs out there. But, of course, probably doesn't pay you the sort of money. So you just lurch from one disaster to another. Uh, one of her friends says, don't ever lend her money. You'll never see it again. So that's the way it's going. And where does it end? Bad. It's, it's not going to get any better anytime soon because she uh, she just doesn't know how to, uh, to behave. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. I went on a plane when some drunk started running up down the aisle, waving his arms about, shouting, we're going to crash. It isn't safe. It was the pilot. Yes, the old gags are the best. The trouble is, it has been like that. They've had, I think on one plane a short while ago, I was reading it, Warren might have to bear me out on this one, where it took about six passengers to to restrain somebody, and they put these plastic handcuffs on, and they then shoved them to the back of the plane. I mean, you don't want anybody like that, endangering your life. No, zero tolerance on on booze, on planes. Least of all, from um, from the stewardess. I mean, ten times over the limit seems like an awful lot. I mean, she was off her trolley dolly. She really was. So this is a lady called Patricia Casey. She downed eight shots of vodka. So what's a shot of vodka? Is that a double vodka or a single vodka? I don't know what a shot of vodka is. You think it's a single? Well, eight, would that make her ten times over the limit? That seems an awful lot, doesn't it? Anyway, she was arrested. She was on a Dreamliner. She probably was, actually. And she was arrested at Heathrow's Terminal 5 after being reported by a passenger. So the crew didn't report her. Test two hours later showed she had 201 milligrams of alcohol in 100 millilitres of blood. Ten times the limit allowed for air staff, which is 20... Oh, they have a different a different sort of um, acceptance level. Yesterday, her mile-high binge ended an unblemished 21-year career. as She admitted breaking aviation law. 21 years! Why would you want to throw that away? Prosecutor... Uh, over at Uxbridge, says she informed one of the officers she'd been very silly. Wow. 
It's a shame, isn't it, really? But there you go. She's been fined 300 quid and uh, ordered to pay prosecution costs of 85 quid. And um, I'm assuming she's not um, she's not flying anymore. But they, they have different levels. But isn't it funny? Reported by a passenger, not by anybody she was working with. You'd have thought somebody, chief, whatever they call them on these uh, on these planes now, um, and and you sort of think, well, shouldn't somebody have said, I think she's drunk, but they didn't. It was a passenger. I mean, she's been for twenty one years. You fly, but mind you, we read these stories all the time in the papers. Not necessarily about things like that, but uh, but people who've been in a job for a long time, like a police officer. They've had a really good, unblemished career. They've been awarded this and that. Then all of a sudden, they do something ridiculous, like contact a member of the public and try and have an affair with them. All sorts of ridiculous things. Looking at the Grand National for tomorrow, and uh, there are a number of rides. I had last year, I, I sort of booked out my, uh, my sort of uh, stake. Two of mine never ran. So they have uh, some reserves here. I don't know who they're going to go for. What am I looking for? I'm looking for 100 to 1. That seems quite good. Tenor on that. I could do all right. Thank you very much indeed. There's some good 50 to 1s, 14 to 1s. At the moment, you're getting some good prices. But I suspect by the time you get to tomorrow, there won't be good prices. So today I have to go out and pick my horses out of... How many are there? 1, 2, 3, 4. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Yeah, 40 horses running. 40 horses. But of course, there are lots of protests, aren't there, as well. Uh, because of the amount of horses who've actually died uh, during race meetings. Not necessarily the Grand National, I don't think. Uh, They were putting a ban on booze for the women the other day. I say women. I use the term loosely. They turn into most peculiar people after a few uh, few beverages. But having a look, I don't know, have you got a favourite in the the National? Got any tips you want to pass on? I shan't pass them on to anybody. I have to keep them to myself, because otherwise it makes it look as I'm encouraging gambling. And I don't really want to encourage gambling. Uh, Steve... Uh, read Daniela Westbrook, says Andy. If she is NFA, which is no fixed abode, it's unlikely any custody officer would give her bail. So, yeah, I'm, see, I'm, I'm never sure what I read, whether it's true. We only saw her, was it two weeks ago, climbing into a brand new 4 by 4 thing. I thought, but if she's broke, how's she affording that? And then she appeared in Spain, uh, charging people a drink to have a selfie taken with her. How does she fly to Spain? If you're broke, you're broke. But there again, most of her life is sort of like, you know, not too sure. Uh, and uh, somebody says... Uh, Steve Allen, banned drinking on planes, no problem. They're all as high as a kite, or drones, anyway. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I mean it wouldn't bother me. It wouldn't bother me if they banned drinking on planes. Mind you, my friend Graham would have a bit of a problem. He, he, he flies regularly, and he, that's what he likes to do. He likes to, you know, fly first class, and he drinks across the Atlantic, and he loves it. He loves it. If he's going over to Dubai, you know, to go and see friends, that's, that's what he likes to do. Me, I'm, I'm more than happy to sit there with a bottle of water and a cup of tea. I've got to that age. I don't think I've got to that age because I drink Prosecco, as you know. And I should, I should drink Prosecco today to celebrate the fact it's the weekend and the fact we've had a lovely week and it's been busy and we've had you know, more texts than we've ever had and get lovely letters and things like that. And, uh, and people are very appreciative. But I can, I can still live without booze on a plane. I know that some people get a bit frightened about flight. Well, then take a tranquilizer or something. Take a sleeping tablet as you get on the plane. Uh, 84850, steve I'm heading to Twickenham, says Donnie, to meet a good friend I've not seen for a while. What time will you get home from the show? Um, we could pop in for tea. Call the police. Just make a mental note of that one, Chris, if you can do that. Thank you. Uh, Steve, did you know that Good Morning Britain and Lorraine Kelly are coming from the BBC television centre? And the Loose Women as well. I know, it's a shame because I put in for the Outer Hebrides for the Loose Women. I was hoping that somebody today would be quizzing Colleen. I was hoping it would be Janet Street Porter to say, you didn't tell us you were getting 10,000 quid. 
getting your boobies out. Uh, will you be giving it all to charity? And the answer is, of course she won't. She hasn't got any other work, has she? She got that column in the papers, which I'm never sure whether she writes or puts her name to it. Uh, also, uh, Jay says, whatever the details of the Cliff Richard case, only somebody very wealthy could afford to take this kind of thing to court. No, 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 not necessarily. Not necessarily. <laughs> Phil Vickery. <laughs> What's the best way to get some sausages to you? <laughs> Matron. Uh, I don't have to think about that, actually. Don't, 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 nothing today. No, we, we'll think about it over the next week. I'll have a think about it. OK, I'll have a think about it. I shall contact you privately. We'll, we'll worry about it that way. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 12 minutes to 6 Friday. Oh, please, it's going to be nice weather this weekend. Please, it's going to be nice weather. We've waited long enough for it. I've, okay, I went out yesterday. Was it yesterday? Yeah. And I remember thinking, it's cold again. Cold again. But my next-door neighbour, but one, Betty who's 55, pushing 56, and uh, and I gave her the bag of earth. Anyway, I, I, I gave it back to her, and she said, oh, I must pay you for it, Steve. I said, no, no, have it. It's a gift. Seriously. It only costs a couple of quid. It's, it doesn't make any difference at all. So anyway, it's going to encourage her. She's in the same state that I am, but her place looks really pretty at the moment. And she's, uh, she's got the flowers. Out. She said, I just need to get motivated. I thought, I know the feeling very well indeed. Uh, Steve, look, da- uh, Danielle uh, Westlook, uh, Westbrook... Looks looks totally freaky. In fact, she scares me. The only time she'd fit in anywhere would be at a Halloween party. It's the... I don't, I don't know what it is. I, seriously, I'm, I hold my hands up and say she's always attention-seeking. You know, it's always poor me. It's a, it's a bit like Katie Price, who drones on on Loose Women. A bit like Kerry Coke-Toner. It's a bit like any of these sort of people who are just a little bit needy. And the papers pander to them. And they, you know, but I don't know what we can offer. I mean, perhaps, I think we've even tried, haven't we, with Daniela Westbrook? Hasn't she been under the psychiatrist's glare or something and, and tried to sort of sort... And again, she's in the same state she was before. She just lurches from disaster to disaster. She needs to get a job. She's not focused in life. She doesn't, she's got nothing to get up for. She doesn't have any work. What's the point? Mind you, having to get up, I'm not even sure where she's... Where are the kids living? You know, if she's, if she's been kicked out of the place she was living in, I mean, have the kids not been taken into care? Or something like that. I mean, it must be really embarrassing. You'd think, actually, that if you were the mother of children, you'd want to make sure that they were they were proud of it. How can you be proud of somebody who's wasted so much time and money and, and not emerge with anything at the end of it? There's nothing to show at the end of drugs, is there? I suppose it's like smoking cigarettes, and I, I speak as a former smoker. That at the end of the day, you think, right, if I'm smoking 60 cigarettes a day, three packets of cigarettes a day, whatever they cost. I can't even tell you what, what I paid for them. I used to buy them by the carton because I've got friends of mine who, who fly and they would bring back duty-frees and they would sell them to me. So I always had, you know, hundreds and hundreds of cigarettes at home. So I'd always bring in three packs of cigarettes. So what I spent, and they go, oh, the moment you stop smoking, you save all this money. Codswallop. Of course you don't. You spend it on something else. You spend it on something else. But I, I wish I'd never started smoking. But that's not the end of the day. I did smoke. I loved it. I thought it was cool. I thought it was fashion. Have I missed a break? Or am I, no, I'm all right. And, um, and then I, and you see other people smoking. And you think, oh, you know, perhaps you shouldn't. Perhaps you shouldn't. But then it's not up to me to preach. Somebody wants to drink, they drink. Somebody wants to smoke, they smoke. Somebody wants to shove half of Columbia up their nose. That's their business. Don't come bleating to me afterwards. And unfortunately, that's all she does. Poor me, poor me, poor me, poor me. And we've heard it a million times. And I think now people have kind of got to the end of it. I don't know. I really don't know what the answer is. You don't seem to know what the answer is either. And even the the combined brain power of all of us trying to work out, you know, where we could send her. I I mean, I I don't know. She's done reality shows. She's not much cop at those. And and there's no interest because all all the reality shows are, it's like somebody going into therapy. 
That's all it is. They don't sort of, they weren't, that's why Biggins won the jungle thing, because he was himself, which is funny, witty, entertaining, great. So the others just sat around on their fat bottoms doing nothing. Doing nothing. Very disappointing. Very disappointing. Um, other stories in the papers today was, well, I say, Cliff makes all of the papers. Uh, plus Richard Littlejohn. Oh, I wonder what he's saying. Oh, what could he say that would be controversial? The Shrine outrage is proof, if any were needed, that the old Bill has lost the plot completely. And the comments were from the old... Have you noticed? We don't, we don't call them police officers anymore. We call them the old Bill or cops or something like that. And the, uh, some high-ranking uh, police officer has said, leave the shrine alone, people could be arrested. And the residents have gone... They're not, they're not bothered by it. But my favourite picture is of a, a mountain gorilla. And uh, this is a, a lovely one. He's actually called Richard which is a very odd name for a, a gorilla. He's in a zoo here, and he weighs around 30 stone, and he's, he's, he has a little, a little son called Baby Ajuba. And there's a lovely picture of the gorilla sitting there with his arms folded, and the, and the, the little baby is sort of looking up at him, and, and the caption is, Give it a rest, son. Dad's really not in the mood. And you could look at him thinking, Go away. Go away now. I'm not happy. And it's 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 sweet picture, actually. Very sweet picture. And uh, this is in a, a Prague Zoo. But it's just the picture on his face, isn't it? I st- I'm, I'm, I'm in two minds about zoos. I really am. I know that they do, London do a lot of conservation and stuff like that. But this one here, one person says, I've been visiting Richard. For, who called it a gorilla? Richard. Can't they call him Mwumbi or something like that? They've got to have posh names. They've got to sound like where they came from. But Richard sounds a bit, you know, because it's going to be, well, anyway, for short. And... Um, and bless his heart. But it's this picture of him looking at this little uh, this little son of his, which is very sweet. Very, very sweet indeed. Final curtain for Britain's last lion tamers. The bid to use big cats in circuses is turned down. They'll just go abroad. Abroad don't have a problem with, with big cats. Somebody said it's a victory for common sense. God, that's the last thing we have in this country. Three centuries of animals in the big top. Uh, the Chipperfields go back more than 300 years. And um, I think in the 1950s, Chipperfields was the biggest... Circus in Europe with a tent that seated 6,000. The day the circus arrived in town. We still have circuses around our way. We have, um, we have Zippo Circus, which I've been to a couple of times. We like that. But uh, this man here uh, as was performing with big cats in 2005 in Wales at an evening with lions and tigers. And there are some, you know, most of the, most of the lion uh, tamers go to Vegas or they go around around Europe in some of the big circuses. So we won't have them anymore. I think they, they've appealed. Whether or not it goes through, I've got no idea. Uh, also, Cyril Smith, The Damning Truth. This is boys being abused in uh, public toilets uh, within full view of the council offices, apparently. They knew it was going on, but nobody did anything. And then there was one person who burnt evidence on Cyril Smith. She's now in her 70s. And uh, somebody says, you know, well, where is all this stuff? Uh, Has it been burnt? Because somebody else was claiming all this. The evidence was burnt. And she said, no, it's ludicrous. And then has been unavailable for comment. There's a huge cover-up going on with Cyril Smith. Do you remember when he was arrested, first of all, a phone call went to the police station and he was released. Somebody somewhere was pulling big strings. Somebody somewhere was pulling, you know, a monstrous cover-up. Monstrous cover-up. And uh, the ex-council leader, they say, who lied to the inquiry... Uh, about the disgraced MP and the sex abuse at the boys' homes. The trouble is, it was... This is what the... It's the... I think this is 80, 83. 
83, 60s, 70s, just went on and on. You know, you think it's just confined to certain areas. It was going on all over the place. You know, some people here, they've been named as turning a blind eye to what Cyril Smith got up to. Perhaps Cyril Smith had friends in low places. You know, perhaps there was a giant cover-up. Uh, give the fee to charity. Fans fury at the full Monty pay for an ITV show that raised only four grand. And here they all are, beaming all over their faces. Of course they are. They've just been given £10,000 for getting their boobies out. Blimey, go to Love Island, they'll do it for a quid. In fact, actually, they'll do it for free. And so, here they are. Victoria Derbyshire, Colleen Nolan. They keep citing those two. There were a few others as well. Uh, have been called upon by outraged viewers to donate their fee to charity. Uh, they've got Sarah Jane Crawford, Helen Lederer, Emma Dale, you know, and all these people. They say so they dropped the feathers and then people went, oh, and they, and they forgot to phone up and donate money. You know, because, I mean, you know, you're not going to see Colleen Nolan, uh, Nolan's boobies if you're not going to pay for it. So... They've got 4,218 quid, which has, uh, which has come in. Um, it's interesting that ITV added the shows where it's most popular. Well, they might have been, because they're paying people to get their kit off. I mean, if you pay anybody to get their kit off. I could go around this building, pick out the attractive ones, you know, you know who you are, and, uh, and say, listen, if I give you 2,000 quid, will you strip off for a calendar? And they go, of course I will. Of course I will. Seriously. But um, apparently... Prue Leith is thought to have been paid 59000 for her role as a judge on the five stand-up to cancer specials. Paul Hollywood was paid 117000 Big Big business, this charity, isn't it, really? Uh, Noel Fielding was paid uh, 44000 for his hosting duties. However, celebrities who made appearances donated their entire fee. The rest of them obviously couldn't be bothered. Channel 4 claimed the stars made a significant donation to Stand Up to Cancer, but wouldn't confirm how much... Why? Why would you not confirm? Why would you not want to be really proud of how much they donate? How much has Colleen Nolan given of her ten grand fee that she trousered? How much has Victoria Derbyshire given? You know, all the other people who... Why do they keep mentioning those two? I've got no idea, but they're the ones as if we're supposed to be more outraged by them than anybody else. It's a great shame, actually. Great shame that uh, nobody did it. And they don't seem to have got quotes from them either. I mean, there was a TV audience of 5.1 million. Such is the uh, the interest in seeing Colleen Nolan's boobs and Victoria Derbyshire's. But they didn't um, they didn't appear to donate to charity. Perhaps they've done it privately. I don't know. But uh, they're basically said the fans have turned on them and said, "Give it to charity." And you think, well, wait a minute. You're either why did they pay them in the first place? You'd thought they'd, they'd have wanted to do it for free, but obviously their agents got involved, and um, you know it was money somewhere. Uh, Steve, the only time, just checking the time, uh, that I picked a winning horse on the Grand National was the year it didn't run. It was the, uh, the company sweep. They had to pull a horse out of the hat and it was mine, says Philip. Oh, we could always, Steve, send Kerry Katona to investigate the Bermuda Triangle. Nothing ventured, says Dan. Nothing gained. Yes, I think, what a brilliant idea. I still maintain that my idea of sort of, of a really good reality show is you sort of book some Z-listers... And you take them all on a boat to a desert island and you go, there's hidden cameras. There aren't. But you don't tell them that because they're too stupid anyway. And they say some of them could be hidden in coconuts and all the rest of it. And just leave them there. Or just leave them there. Just don't, don't bother collecting. Be like a Bear Grylls kind of programme, but without anybody else on the island. Isn't that a good idea? Honestly, I bet you any somebody will be listening to this programme going, you know, what a brilliant idea, Steve. What a brilliant idea. We never even thought about that. Just think how many Z-listers we could get rid of. Jamie Lang could go immediately. He'll turn up for the opening of a fridge. Brilliant. Coming up to the news at six o'clock this Friday. But the old school gent, an ex-head, turns 101 years old. The doctor said he wouldn't live past seven. 
Final curtain for Britain's last lion tamer, Cyril Smith. Should Lord Steele now apologise and strip Cyril Smith of his knighthood? Is the Queen descended from Mohammed? She is, if you read certain papers. Going up in the world, the Devon village that's rising. I mean, if they're not realised, well, there you go. Uh, which seaside town's new carnival queen could be a boy? Well, how's it... Cal- oh, I don't know. Could be a gay carnival queen. I'll tell you who it is just after the news. The under-11s who pay with contactless cards and the EDF customers hit with a £90 fee if you pay by cheque. Not good news. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, a very nice heavy company. It's Friday. It's the... Of April. I'm not telling you the date. I've decided it's bad news to tell you things like that. And all you need to know is it's Friday, it's the weekend, and you're either finishing the week uh, or you're starting your weekend's work. Here's a lovely story about a guy called Tom Church. They call him Thrifty. You might want to call him Tight. Uh, but anyway, he, he decided that he wanted to go on a return train journey. So what he did, he found out how much it would have been. This is uh, from London to Brazil. He wanted, uh, not Brazil, Bristol. <laughs> that, would have, that would have been an achievement for this price. Anyway, uh, the price quoted was between 210 and £218. Pounds. Seems a lot of money, doesn't it? He thought it was a lot of money as well and decided he wanted to save some money. So he snapped up a second-hand Honda Civic for 80 quid. What sort of car you get for 80 quid, I can't imagine. But anyway, uh, £80. Pounds. He spent £81.38 on tax... Another, so it was obviously a runner for 80 quid, £20.43 to insure it for the day. Even after a £25 tank of petrol, the trip still came in at £206.81. So <laughs> he saved about four quid, you know, on this thing. Which, you know, he obviously thought was, was good. And uh, Tom, founder of something... Uh, was hit by delays on the M25 but insists it was well worth the while. He said, at the end of the trip, I still have the car. I'll probably sell it again. Plus, you get your unused road tax refunded, so I might be in profit. It's, I mean, it does seem a lot of money, but, you know, all it is is a plug for his, his website. I don't know where you even get a car for £80 for. Where do you get a car for £80? I mean, I didn't think it was entirely possible. But obviously it is. Probably eBay. Mind you, it could be a, a look-alike car, couldn't it? It might be actually. It might be a cardboard box with wheels on. Could be anything like that. Uh, also, the Danish way to slim that's coming over here. It's another old rubbish that the uh, the papers love to put out, don't they? And they go, oh, this is this is the latest thing. The pounds are going to fall off you. So we've had the uh, the sham celebrity DVDs, and uh, now we've got the Danish diet. So apparently, you don't see fat people in in in. Denmark. Well, I'm telling you, you do. So ITV scoops the lottery, but it's not such a big show as it used to be. Down to 90 seconds. They just give you the... Why don't they just flash him up on the screen? But anyway, Stephen Mulhern as the uh, the boy chosen for it. So he um, he gets to uh, to do that one. It'll be in the middle of Britain's Got Talent, about 8.15 or something. I don't know. I never know when they, when they do these things at all. Uh, also, uh, Going's Good as the race fans hit iconic Aintree. I mean, they don't seem this year, looking at the pictures, to be as badly dressed as they have been in previous years. Um, Rochdale Sex Abuse Council boss told lies, headlining quite a number of papers today. Plus, Meghan's sister invite Fury. Apparently, they have invited Sarah Ferguson to the wedding. Oh, dear. <laughs> if Prince Philip's there, he'll not be a happy bunny at all. Uh, also, all you need to know about the Agatha Christie murder mystery, because you like... Agatha Christie's. You're very, uh, very hot with those. Strictly left me broken. Laura Whitmore's droned on about because she was dancing with some bloke 
who she didn't want to dance with and because he'd been out with her best friend. And so it's just the most convoluted story you've ever read. At the end of the day, you think to yourself, why did you not opt out of it then? Why did you not opt out? That's what you should have done. I couldn't, I couldn't understand why you were still there. She said, even though I topped the leaderboard. Well, that's not the story, is it? The story is you didn't want to be there. You didn't want to be dancing with him. Who's going to be the master in MasterChef? Don't know. It's a toss-up between three men. You've got David, Kenny, and uh, and then uh, Nauman as well. Who could win? I think he looks very promising. Very, very promising. And also the tragic wife's letters of true undying love. Uh, this is a man who uh, lost his uh, wife two years after she died. Her letters start arriving and cards and things like that. And so until he's 65, these cards will keep arriving, uh, which I think is actually quite sweet. She's, she'd written them all out, and uh, they'll keep arriving for the next God knows how many years, until he's 65, if he makes it to, uh, to 65. I've just booked Steve. Uh, says, Martin, my return flight to see my parents in Spain this Christmas cost me over 200 quid, but I traded it, uh, traded in all my air miles and got a pound off. A pound off! As you can imagine, I'm wildly ecstatic at the moment. Pound off, good Lord above. I know people who thrive on their air miles. But uh, you're right, pound off, hardly worth bothering. Uh, used Jet 2 last year, large stag party on there. Two men were not allowed on because they were drunk, and on the plane only two small drinks per person were served. No foul language uh, was allowed. All the best, says Ian. That's the way it should be. I don't want to sit on a plane and start worrying about that. It's like I don't think children should be allowed on planes. I, I, seriously, the mess after a child gets up, because you've got to keep them amused. So And the noise as well, especially if it's a baby. You get that high-pitched screaming, which is awful. I had a woman on the uh, the train the other day. Forget where she got off, actually. She's sitting there. And we're in the carriage, which is... Quiet carriage. And right above her head, because she was obviously blind, is the sign that says no mobile phones, no loud headphones. And she's on the phone. So me, I start doing my... Shh. She's, she's totally oblivious to this. She carries on telling us about her boring job and how they're going to have to offer her more money because it, it's, it's got the biggest retail thing. I should have found out where she was because I'd have mentioned it on the programme, believe you me. And, uh, and talked the whole journey, the most boring conversation, the most dull, uninteresting conversation. When she finally got off, I went, thank God for that! There was only about three of us on the actual uh, carriage yesterday because at the moment the little kiddie winks are on holiday. And we love that, don't we? We love it when they're on holiday. As far as I'm concerned, they can stay on holiday for the whole time. But, it, but if, if they take sort of, you know, it's mothers with prams getting on buses now. And sometimes you get two prams and they try and squeeze in it. Oh, it's terrible. There's no room. Buses are not meant for prams. How we survived years ago. The ferry journey for the producer back from France on Monday evening was made a living hell by the children at the next table who kept shouting some chant loudly. The adults with them didn't care. In the end, a woman on the opposite table table told them to shut up they ignored her it's dreadful isn't it i mean it's awful i love the way you can always tell you know when the bus driver is not happy with it because he pushes the button that goes please remain with your child's buggy for safety or whatever it is but at least we didn't have the uh, the thing that we had for ages and ages which was rubbish you know the bus is moving hold on tight or whatever it was that was that was rubbish wasn't it that sort of gave up after a while uh why do i not like uh, greg watts's face in uh, in master chef i don't like john Turode. I just find him irritating. At one point, there's a bloke there trying to do something, and Greg Wallace, irritating little so-and-so, sort of is going, come on, hurry up, you've only got five, come on, five, and you think, go away. 
Stop showing off. I had enough of the showing off thing. John Turow is so much better at it. So much better. But that's the whole idea about television. You know, some bits you like, some bits you don't like. Uh, Chaz and Dave. Rabbit, 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 rabbit. I can't do the song, but they're very good. Uh, they're going uh, with the Libertines. Having a knees up with Pete Doherty on his new album. Pete Doherty, know, still alive. Pete Doherty's still around. Is he rich? Good heavens above, how did that happen? Very odd, very odd. But anyway, the Rabbit Hitmakers are firm friends with Doherty and have performed several gigs with him over the years. Really? Chaz and Dave, what date is it? No, April the 13th. <laughs> Said the wrong word. Uh, who's page three girl today? Lucy, she comes from Catford. She's also learning about briefs of a different kind. She's training to be a lawyer. Are you really, dear? Well, we can't wait to see that one. Can't wait to see that one. Good luck, as they say. Good old Lucy from Catford is training to be a lawyer, but she'd rather get her boobies out for you today. Lovely. Don't uh, don't hold your breath waiting. Uh, lots of people at uh, the National. Beer we come. And it's a lot of people just badly dressed. You know, it looks like cheap catalogue clothing and a lot of people sitting on the ground because they're, they're, they're actually trying to stop them boozing. I mean, seriously, they'll have more luck trying to sort of, you know, fly to the sun. Um, this way for Cox. Keep going for slack bottom. Uh, these are all... They, they do this every so often. And it's um, it's um, naughty-sounding names. Um, I decided, actually, I looked through them and I thought to myself, I'm not really sure at 12 minutes past six in the morning whether or not... You know, I mean, some of them are actually quite quite uh, sort of odd. I mean, Pratt's Bottom is quite mild compared to some of them. Bell End will not have a name change. You know, the street sign got four... Well, not the street sign, but a, a petition uh, gathered f- nearly 5,000 signatures. I think it's in Bognor Regis or somewhere like that. And uh, where is it? Oh, the West Midlands. Uh, suggesting the name Bell's Road as one alternative, the petition claimed younger residents could be bullied at school. Good Lord. So they've said leave the historic name of Bell End, which actually, I mean, I don't know if you've ever been to Cornwall. Titty Ho is there. That's very popular. And um, Thong is in Kent. These are some of the mild ones. <laughs> some of the other ones are hilarious. I don't know where they come from. <laughs> God. <laughs> I'll probably get taken off the air. Slag Lane in Lancashire and Fanny Hands Lane in Lincolnshire. Where do they cut these people's names, do you think, over the year? I mean, I don't know. I do laugh at them. There's one here, um, Crotch Crescent. Crotch Crescent. I mean, what? I can't even tell you some of them. Busty View. That's <laughs> good, isn't it? Spanker. Uh, Beaver Close. Crapston. Uh, Fine Bush Lane in Ryslip. Where do they, I mean, where do they get named, these places? I think they just do it to be funny. Hooker Road and Willie Lane. Uh, plus, you can have um, Happy Bottoms, Shags, and Hard On Road. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Apparently, Zayn Malik's going on tour. Riveting. And he's going to bear his soul. He's got some new songs for the big tour. Dullsville. It's like Niall Horan. Didn't we have sort of... There was something I thought was going on there, and then that went all a little bit, uh, a little bit quiet. Uh, also, oh, he's in all the papers today. John Bishop slamming the police for threatening to arrest anybody who rips down tributes to crook Henry Vincent. That's in just about every paper you can find. I don't think anybody has uh, missed that one at all. Uh, Plus, there's a man here, and he's uh, a top wrestler. Uh, His name is Jerry the King Lawler. 
I don't know any. I don't know anything about wrestling at all. But he's uh, he's sixty eight. But he was romping with his lover. He, he's sixty eight. She's twenty nine. His lover. Anyway, had a stroke. I should imagine uh, whilst romping with her. It's not good, is it? It's not the first time medical drama hit him. He's had a heart attack before. And uh, here she is, Brooklyn Beckham's babe. Good old Brooklyn Beckham. There's a man, isn't it? There's a man, old Brooklyn. What do you do, dear? What do you do? I'm going out with Lexi. OK, what, what's her claim to fame? Oh, she's had her kit off, has she? Oh, brilliant, honestly. You think Dave, Dave is probably going, yeah, she's all right, mate, isn't she? She's all right, Lexi. And uh, so they're going out together. Brooklyn, as I say, every time you see it, Mummy and Daddy had to come to his rescue the other day because trolls got hold of him. Uh, well, not got hold of him, but they were sort of writing about, you know, just get on with yourself, stop being silly. Has anybody ever heard him speak? I'm only intrigued as to what he sounds like. I mean, I'm just curious. Does he sound like his father or like his mother? Or Harper? Or anybody else in the uh, the publicity-shy Beckham household? Uh, Steve, I so agree about phones on the train. I got up and told somebody to shut up yesterday. It's such an imposition, says Alison. Well, it's rude. It's rude. I'm sorry, there's a sign up there that says no phone. Go somewhere else. Go somewhere else. The trouble is, she was a hefty hideaway girl. I didn't think there was much chance. The kids can't be off forever, Steve. I work nights. Cost me a fortune in earplugs, says Alec. Uh, great point about children navigating Chiswick High Roads coffee shops with yummy mummies, their pushchairs and screaming kids. Like being on the Krypton Factor, says Milan. Yes. And Steve, I was in uh, M&S last week when a woman threw her wrapper on the ground. I told her she dropped something. She said, um, no... I said, yes, the wrapper. She picked it up, but I expect she dropped it once she was outside, says Mo. People do that. People don't care about rubbish. I saw somebody dropping rubbish the other day. It's at times like that you feel like pulling out a badge and going, police officer, pick it up, put it in a bin. So this is... We've got a little bit of Brooklyn Beckham. Good heavens above. This is Brooklyn Beckham revealing why he never followed in Dad Dave's footsteps. I did football for, like, 15 years since I was, like, two. But, like, I had a lot of pressure on me as well because you know and every time I made a mistake everyone was looking at me like said oh my god like he made a mistake I still watch it with my dad all the time but um, I kind of just wanted to go my own direction is photography it for you or is this just kind of like a hobby while you're exploring other professions photography is is it that's what I really want to do Brooklyn plans to study photography in New York he's got a peculiar accent doesn't he and he looks like his mother more like his mother than his father Far more like that. And now he's got tattoos, because that apparently that butch. He's got tattoos, makes you butch. But uh, he can't do photography either, so he's tried most things. Can't play football because of this and pressure and all the rest of it. Honestly, it's, it's all too drippy, isn't it, really? Anyway, in conversation this week. This is Sunday evening, 9 o'clock until 10. Two celebrities join me. My first guest uh, this weekend is a stand-up comedian from Dublin. Uh, he started performing while studying horticulture, I know, at university and soon found himself appearing briefly in an episode of Father Ted and being nominated for the prestigious Edinburgh Comedy Awards in 1998. Since then, he's performed three sellout tours of the UK. He's even performed to capacity crowds over in America, too. It's Ed Byrne. His new show, Spoiler Alert, examines just how spoilt we supposedly are now. But he told me... That he uh, that he hit a surprising snag whilst writing it. I had to change a line in my show because I watched Chris Rock's latest special, and he has a line, and it's the same. And I and I really didn't. Of all the acts whose stand-up specials I watched, I did not expect the Voice of Black America to have much <laughs> of a crossover with me. But uh, he was doing this thing about 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 lying to kids. I'm like, oh, 
And I and was I had to I just had to change a joke in in my show and, yeah. and being forced to think of a different joke. The joke I thought of actually it actually works better than the joke I was doing. But you do I like I watched it, I, went, I can't I can't do that line anymore because people will assume yes. I've nicked it off him He's even though I've been it. doing that line for. The trouble is you have to be original, year. don't you? But then. You look at the size tour you're doing. I mean, this, frankly, it'd be, it'd be easier for you to get a job somewhere and just work. <laughs> I mean, this is ridiculous. It's just like night. Don't you get tired? Not really. You, you, you can be tired when you arrive or, you know, when you first wa- are walking on stage. Yeah. But within 60 seconds, you're, you're, you're yeah, on you're it. You're repeating you, you, you the same the... thing from the night before. Yeah. But I always liken it to watching your favourite film with somebody and they haven't seen it. <laughs> and you watch it through their eyes, and you en- you enjoy it. You wouldn't maybe put it on sitting there on your own, but when you've got somebody, oh, you haven't seen Midnight Run? Oh, well, let's watch Midnight Run. Yes. And you enjoy watching it because you enjoy the other person enjoying it. And it's like that. I, I've heard these jokes, but the audience haven't. And you and, and it's there's something uniquely enjoyable about knowing that a big laugh is coming. Comedian Ed Byrne, who's in conversation with me Sunday night from nine. As well as Ed, I'll be talking to an actress who starred in Waterloo Road and the uh, the Sky One comedy drama Stella, uh, while she also appeared in the film in Bruges alongside Colin Farrell. She's now taking to the stage just down the road from here as the star of the UK premiere of Rashida Speaking. And she told me what the play is all about. We're in a really swish private hospital in in Chicago. Right. We've got a very experienced oncologist and his two receptionists. Um, and the play is like, it's about the day you come back from a leave of absence and you walk in and something has changed and you don't know what it is and nobody will tell you, but you can taste it, you can smell it, you can't, you can't get a straight answer, but you know that your position is under threat and you don't know why and that's the the journey that um Jacqueline Tanya Moody's character is on are they right are they trying to get rid of her well it, ultimately yes you know not to sort of give the end of the play away but right. but it's about um it's about insecure work practices really so it's about this uh you know privileged boss who can manipulate these women against each other and you know ultimate, ultimately threaten their livelihood and what the women do to try and either protect their own positions yes. and also protect their friendship just because they at the beginning of the play there is a a close and growing friendship there and the discover and the, the play's journey is to see what's happened by the end of it you know so it's it's fascinating fascinating politically as well because um it, it's it's a story about an african american woman and a and a white um working class American woman and their journey and their sort of discussions at this current time. Ever so nice. The actress Elizabeth Barrington, who's in conversation with me this weekend, along with the comedian Ed Byrne. You can hear me talking to Ed and Elizabeth on Sunday evening from nine. And if you can't join me then, you can listen to the whole thing for free by downloading the LBC Catch-Up app from the App Store on your iPhone or from Google Play on your Android device. Just go to lbc.co.uk and uh, then you can download that. In fact, you can go back on all the programmes if you've missed anything on on LBC. 
then you can uh, go back and hear them again. Seven days you go back for absolutely free gratis. Cost you not a penny piece. Never mind the train and phone use, Steve, says Lee. I couldn't believe there were men using the cubicles and having a conversation on their phone. Um, yeah, well, he said travelling up the M4 and having a loo break. Yeah, I mean, people are addicted to phones. You can't go anywhere without people using phones. If you've got 11-year-olds using telephones and 10-year-olds, they're all... They're all, yeah, but on the top, I don't know. I don't know. Some people are like that, aren't they? On the loo. And uh, somebody else says, I'm going to keep an eye on my passengers drinking, says Viv, BA cabin crew. I w- well, I, I wouldn't just keep an eye on the passengers, dear. Keep an eye on the cabin crew. After that last person came in and, uh, and was ten times over. Uh, Steve, I'm always puzzled that Greg Wallace remains unmolested by the contestants that he insists on shouting at. Frying pan to the head seems near irresistible. Yes, thank you for the rude road names. I've got, listen, it's, I've been inundated with rude place names. We all seem to know them. I mean, some of them are really even too rude to mention on this programme because it's the implication, isn't it? So, uh, so I won't tell you about any of those. Uh, <laughs> no, the, 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 the Greg Wallace thing, he's just irritating. He's just irritating. I don't know why, he's just irritating. You can't do anything about him. That's just the way he is. Uh, Steve, did you see John's face when he tasted each dish? The cooks took five hours, and the picture on his face shows why they go through it. It's a shame MasterChef is finishing tonight. Uh, who's going to win, though? Who's going to win? That's that's the interesting thing, isn't it? Not that I care. I only mention it because, you know, everybody goes, oh, did you watch MasterChef? And uh, I don't cook. And uh, stop talking about MasterChef. I've got three parts to watch, says Monica. Well, that's your problem, isn't it? It's not my problem. That's your problem. So we're down to three fellas... Okay, at the at the end, all the other ones have actually gone. What do you mean you've got three? Well, you need to get a life, don't you? I'm sick to death of people like it's like you know Coronation Street. Oh, don't spoil the storyline. It's been in all the papers. I can't help it if you never watch the catch up. It's like Strictly Come Dancing. We knew the results. I can, you know, I can even tell you, but I won't. I can tell you who's through to the semi final in the uh, Britain's Got Talent. I can tell you who got the golden buzzer. And I could tell you who wins. I can't do the World Cup. But I, I know that already because it's already been filmed. It's already been, I can tell you. Somebody phoned me yesterday and said, oh, you know who actually got through? And they're, they're on the, the golden, whatever. They, they push the button and all this gold stuff. You know, very messy miler comes up everywhere. And somebody said, I can tell you who it is. I said, don't tell me. I know who it is. I said, well, I can't tell anybody because they haven't seen the programme. It doesn't start till this week. But uh, I know already. So there you go. And uh, Gavin says you should visit Newfoundland sometime. Good town names. Good, good, t- t- my language has gone away. Good town names. Good town names there as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, did you see John Tarode crying over a Mufoy last night on MasterChef? I couldn't believe it, says uh, Laurie. Um, no. I mean, if it was that good, though. There was a woman on there who was very good. But one of the blokes on there, he's, he's very good as well. He's very good. And you look at the food and you think, it's very nice, but where, where do you cook it? You just cook it for your friends at home. You couldn't do it in a restaurant, take forever and a day. Got to try and simplify things down, but I love the idea that, uh, you know, I haven't watched the first three episodes. Well, I mean, really, that's not my business. The thing's already been transmitted. Uh, Greg Wallace saying he doesn't wear underwear, says Pablo. Really? Oh, dear. No, there's something odd about him. He's just a greengrocer, isn't he, who got lucky. Uh, meanings of uh, words, Steve, have changed across the years. Street names for people shortened, you know, William and Cole. You know, that's where they get all these the other words that go along with them. So uh, the rude messages were not there then. No, of course, I mean, it's, it's in the mind, isn't it? You're listening to a podcast from LBC. 
Coming up with Nick Ferrari at breakfast at 7 o'clock this morning, Donald Trump and Theresa May have agreed that the use of chemical weapons must not go unchallenged. Nick will speak to a survivor of a Syrian chemical attack to find out what he thinks should happen next. An inquiry into the Rochdale sex abuse scandal was said that council staff were complacent and arguably complicit in the abuse. Nick will find out what needs to be done to avoid horrors like this being repeated in future. Plus, continuing our coverage of London's surge in violent crime, the former NYPD Commissioner Bill Bratton will explain why the Met is struggling to cope at the moment. That's all with Nick Ferrari at breakfast this morning from 7 here on LBC. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast till 7 and uh, it's a happy day today, says Phil. It's Friday, which means I get to go home at the end of the week after five days of tankering and living in the cab. Some of those road names are really funny, but I have a delightful one near to me where my tanker lives in Doncaster. Pudding and Dip Lane. Pudding and Dip Lane. There's always got to be a reason, hasn't there, why they come up with these uh, things. It's delightful. So he says, happy weekend, everybody. And uh, Pat in Banstead. Uh, yes, you probably dozed off at some point, actually. In conversation, is Sunday evening. OK, you'll find Ian here on Saturday morning tomorrow from four. Uh, Steve, I can't find the Jamie Oliver in conversation on catch-up. Has it been broadcast? Oh, yeah, Christmas. Nice, nice to know you're up with it. Truth, honestly. Did you ever go to the market at Kempton Park, Steve? Yes, I did. A friend of mine had a stall at uh, Kempton Market for a long time. Unfortunately, the uh, the thieving that goes on there is a bit too uh, too rife. People just walking past stalls picking stuff up, you know, so uh, not very nice. It's also considerably smaller than it ever used to be. Considerably smaller. Uh, James says, I'm working at Heathrow and I eat in the BA cabin crew canteen. The, they have painkillers in the chiller next to the sandwiches. Says it all about the drinking. The trouble is that this, this woman was, was ten times over the legal limit because if you're flying, they have a different level. It's not the same as being, you know, drunk in charge of a motor vehicle. As I was only saying to Wayne Rooney the other day, it's not exactly the same. It's slightly different. Uh, have you ever been to the Sky Garden? No. No. What is it? Never even heard of it. Have I heard of it? I don't think so. The Sky Garden. You ever heard of the Sky Garden? A fantastic place to visit in London. It's free. I like free. I'm very good at free. So um, let's have a look. The Sky Garden, known as the walkie-talkie due to its unique shape. Where is it? Oh, blimey, that's quite big, isn't it? Oh, I hate places with all glass. It frightens me a little bit. It looks quite pretty, though, doesn't it? Oh, it's a restaurant. Eat and drink. Oh, right. Oh, they do breakfast. Can't be as good as the breakfast you get in Wembley for three ninety-five. But uh, there it is. Sky Garden. Your spectacular views across the capital. Well, I do like the views of London town. I'm a big fan of those. And uh, it's big. looks a bit busy for me. Oh, it's got lots of tropical plants. That's good, isn't it? Lovely. No. Uh, not for me. So I haven't been, Lynn, but I might go. Your talk of circuses this morning brought back memories. I was once offered a job as a human cannibal. The manager said he was having trouble getting people of the right calibre. He was disappointed when I turned it down. He said I'd have gone a long way. Made a big impact. Thank you, Mick. Exit stage left. You and Kevin, both stage left, I think, today. <laughs> well, him from yesterday. Uh, the Newfoundland, not Newfoundland, hurts my Canadian ears, says Alison, when LBC presenter said incorrectly. Yeah, but we don't care. We don't care. We don't care where it is. We're not remotely bothered about it. Do we own it? Let's have a quick check. Do we own that, uh, producer? Do we own Newfoundland? No. No, we don't care about it. We just know it's far away. And it's just part of Canada. We'd rather talk about Canada, you know. Otherwise, we might as well talk about Saskatchewan. You know, that was very popular. Manitoba. All these lovely places. And uh, Brighton. 
popular, very popular down here. Front pages of the uh, the papers, The Guardian this morning, Cliff Richard, and his legal battle with the BBC over the privacy begins. Uh, he's, uh, I should imagine, it's taken it out of him, but he, um, he'll, he'll come through the other side. He'll be fine, but it's an ordeal that he's got to get, because it's a principle he's fighting on, a principle that can, you know, for all of you, for all of you, he's doing it for everybody. Uh, drinking will shorten your life, study finds. Who cares? <laughs> I don't, are we supposed to immediately go, well, that's it, I'm going to stop drinking immediately. But Because it, it doesn't work that way, does it? It really doesn't work. Uh, the Rivers of Blood speech, the broadcaster under fire over the Enoch Powell recitation, calls for some radio station to cancel the show that would analyse anti-immigration speeches on the 50th anniversary. I don't know if you ever heard the River of Blood speech, but, uh, I mean, perhaps you really should, actually. Perhaps you really should hear what was said. Also, the path clear for military action, the Cabinet backs May over Syria crisis. What are we going to do? What, we're going to just go in there, are we? I thought that um, Donald Trump had started um, back backtracking on it. And then she's, at the go- she's actually going ahead. After Weinstein, only three women make uh, the Palm Door line-up at Cannes. Well, back to that again, are we? Uh, the Skripals were poisoned by Novichok. Independent chemical experts confirm. I thought we did that yesterday, actually, so we knew what was actually going on. And um, it's horses. Horses all over the place. Yes, because we love horses. Um, also, the conditions that shaped the Giant's Causeway. I've never seen the Giant's Causeway. Well, I've seen photographs of the Giant Causeway, and they've got the conditions here have been replicated in a laboratory. I must go, it's basalt, isn't it? The only thing I remember about it is it's, it's basalt. That's about as far as I got. Sky Garden, says Nicholas, is fantastic. Beautiful views. Uh, some news just coming in in uh, relation to Syria this morning. Jeremy Corbyn has accused the government of waiting for instructions from Trump and says that Britain getting involved in the Syrian war risks escalating an already devastating conflict. That's news just in. Nick Ferrari will be talking about that this morning on LBC. Front page of the Eye, Cabinet gives May go-ahead to attack Syria. I don't think she, she was waiting for Donald Trump, was she? Because I say, if he appears to be backtracking, we seem to, it's like all of a sudden, you know, we're out there by ourselves at the, sort of the front line. Go, me, where is, where's everybody else gone? I go, oh, we all decided we weren't going to do anything about it. Uh, also, the, the bloke and uh, his car that he bought so he can uh, save £4 by driving as opposed to going on the train. I mean, really... We've got that desperate in this country now. It's like yesterday I was hearing, and it's very interesting, because I th- I didn't think you'd go down that route, James O'Brien saying that, but I mean, he is a huge supporter of Mr Corbyn. So he was sort of saying about uh, this idea of all the under 25-year-olds being given free travel. He said, because they don't have very much money. I thought, have you been to the BBC recently? They've got loads of money. Loads of money. And he said, and it gives them a chance to save. For what? A £1,000 a year. What are you going to save on that? How many years? You know, you're going to be about 70 before you can even afford half a deposit. On a house, you'd never afford anything at all. I don't think it's going to make any difference. All it's going to be done is you, the motorists, are going to pay for it. You're going to pay for that. Rest on, as they say. Uh, BBC urged to cancel Powell's Rivers of Blood broadcast. And uh, the um, the big airlines rejecting the fact that today, because it's a superstitious day, is the day that you don't want to fly. I don't know why. Kayak claimed fares for Friday, today, uh, to Auckland, barely half the level for other Fridays in April. This is, I, mean, I mean, the only reason I've not mentioned it is because there might be a few of you who might be superstitious and you might be slightly disturbed by it. So that's the only reason I've not mentioned it. 
That's the only reason. Otherwise, I'm more than happy to mention the number of the day, but I thought, no, it just sound, it sounds like I'm reading out horror film titles or something like that, which I'm not, of course. Uh, racing... Oh, racing, why do I get racing? All of a sudden, I'm getting racing posts. Yeah, but... Oh, do you think it's because it's Grand National Week? Mind you, racing posts have never had so many mentions on anybody's radio show. Nobody else mentions them except me. And here it is. The Grand National Sweepstake Kit. Page 43. There's so many pages in this thing. But, uh, good God, it's £2.90. There's a lot of racing and there's a lot of writing down, doing things like that. I love it here. They've got... It's <laughs> coming up with Racing Post. Monday, Aidan O'Brien Stable Tour. I'm so excited. I might do it. I might do it. But uh, for some reason, and we think it's only because it's uh, Ascot Week, not Ascot Week, Aintree, sorry, that uh, that I've got it. The Times do the Grand National Sweepstake Kit, essential for the office. In other words, this is what all the offices do. Uh, ten, ten p- pound? I don't know what it is now. Pound? Ten pounds? Two quid! Two quid. It's our, ours is two, but we're so rich. Ours is too much money. Uh, Steve Sky Garden says Pat in Banstead, wide awake now. Really lovely. Isn't the Chardonnay? No, I love. Just said it funny. Just sounds great. That Chardonnay sounds like Chardonnay. Okay, just me again. Uh, I like the Chard. I've had um, I've had afternoon tea up there. We like that actually. Uh, but views beautiful. Cocktails amazing. Plants and forestry make it a great experience. You must visit. Yes. Have you visited Wisley? Says John in Bloin. Yes, I've been to Wisley. It's down the road. It's on the way to Guildford. So, uh, yes, I know Wisley very well. Thank you. And uh, I use the same butcher as Phil in Woburn. His name's Simon, says Steve. And, and I deliver in London every day early. So I can drop your sausages off if you want them. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, David says Greg Wallace did Food Factory and ruined it. I don't remember Food Factory. What was that? Was that something we in our dim and distant past? But uh, loved Ruth Goodman. Yeah, Greg Wallace, I just thought he's just he's just a bit sort of pushy, pushy, pushy. And he pushes the contestants. I think, oh, go away. Leave them to get on with it. They're doing quite well. Like they do it in America, don't they? And uh, they have this cake baking programme. And some of them are brilliant. I mean, they even one of the trails is one of the women on there. Obviously, a sort of guest going, this is a cake? Oh, inside the food. For- oh, God, he's very irritating in that. Greg Wallace with a thing to keep his hair under. He hasn't got any hair. And uh, very irritating, just very irritating. There's nothing more you can say about it apart from irritating. Uh, they call it a kit. Every newspaper's got a kit this morning. The Grand National Sweepstake Kit. Play at home or in the office by picking your winner. So we're kind of encouraging, you know, gambling. Also, Last of the Lion Tamers, banned from the circus. And uh, this is Thomas Chipperfield, who's the uh, the son, 28-year-old, of the circus family. Denied a licence by, by DEFRA. He said he'd consistently acted in good faith on advice given by the licensing panel. Very good-looking young man, uh, sitting here with a lion. I mean, they frighten the life out of me, lions. I mean, they're just enormous, just enormous. And you think, they could turn. That's what worries me. But I've seen animal trainers, and I've seen the way that they, uh, they work. Uh, also on the front of the Telegraph today, Hunt admits breaking rules over luxury flats. Jeremy Hunt breached anti-money laundering legislation brought in by his own government when he set up a company to buy seven luxury flats. Good Lord. The health secretary, who has a personal fortune of more than 14 million quid. Where'd that come from? 14 million pounds? Good God. 
He failed to declare an interest in the firm to Company's House, a criminal offence punishable by fine or up to two years in prison. OK, let's go prison, shall we? Let's go prison one. Thank you very much indeed. He also failed to disclose his interest in the property firm on the parliamentary registry of members' interests within the required 28 days. What are they? Different rules for you, Mr Hunt? Disgraceful. He made, from the sale of Hot Quarters, an education listing firm, he made £14.5 million. Oh, I don't think we should allow that, do we? I don't think we should allow that. Uh, also, EU turning a blind eye to Russia's gas bullying and the danger of six glasses of wine. I know some of you will be thinking, girl, we have more than that most days. But uh, not anymore, because apparently it sends you to an early grave. Not that you'll know about it. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. I reckon that Stephen Mulhern will pop up on Lorraine's programme this morning talking about the, uh, about the lottery thing. I bet you. I'll, I'll, put, I'll put money on it. Put a shilling on that one. Uh, Daniel. No, it's not. It's Darrell. Darrell. Was crying with the gorilla name. I mean, it, fancy, I'm not surprised he looks grumpy. They've called him Richard. Who calls a gorilla Richard? As I say, it's some crazy. Or, you know, you give them a proper, a proper name. Richard. For a gorilla. He's sitting there looking as miserable as sinks. People go, hello, Richard. He's going, I'm not Richard. I'm not Richard. I don't want to be Richard. People will laugh at me. <laughs> It's the funniest name ever. Uh, Mike in Exeter says, uh, 13th of April, 84, started my first ever job at Chipperfield Circus. Loved every minute of working with the animals. Yes, we did have a big main tent. Took a whole day to put up and take it down. Love circus. Uh, Chris in Watford says, who's the irritating man does the show where people can't sing? No idea. I don't know any of these programmes where people can't sing. What, you mean Simon Cowell? There's quite a lot of those programmes where people can't sing. I said, well, so what, what's the dream? Oh, what, sing... Yeah, we go sing in the bathroom, dear. Daily Star this morning. Cliff, my BBC hell. He's on the front of uh, most of the papers today. Uh, Theresa May going, it may be war. Well, I tell you, when you get your flak jacket on, dear, and sit in the middle of a Sherman tank, we'll all, we'll all follow you that way. Uh, the Band National, Ladies' Day Fury, as Killjoy Cops booze clampdown. Why is that Killjoy Cops? Have you seen some of these drunken old madams? Thank you very much indeed. No, thank you very much indeed. The Daily Mirror. Uh, Sir Cliff, BBC destroyed my life. Star sues over footage of Raiders, cops probed sex claim, which turned out to be totally false, never been charged with anything at all, and um, just absolutely awful, absolutely dreadful. And that's also on the front page of The Sun. Cliff Richard, an icon in this country, an absolute icon, adoring fans and everything else. Disgraceful. BBC ruined my life, and that's what they're, uh, they're going with in court. So he's in court again. Today, then, I I don't know how much longer it goes on. I don't know whether these things wrap up fairly quickly. I'm really not sure. Uh, The Daily Mail, Richard Littlejohn in his column today. Uh, The Shrine Outrage is proof, if anyone needed, that the old Bill has lost the plot completely. And this is the trail you heard with Nick Ferrari a moment ago. That, you know, if you cause a breach of the peace by presumably touching these things, even though they're on somebody else's fence, that's the odd thing. The bloke whose house it is that they've pinned, he doesn't want them there. Apparently, nowadays, that doesn't count for anything. But uh, anyway, uh, May gets the green light from the Cabinet. Ken Clark demands MPs debate. Warship moves in to curb threat. Uh, missiles at the ready, they've said. Cliff, uh, prayer as he takes on the BBC. I don't think it was necessarily a prayer. I think it was just it was the way that the, uh, you know, he had his hands together, clasped as if in prayer, sort of like Albrecht Dürer's picture. But uh, apart from that, he doesn't need prayers. I think he's. I think he's already got the ear of the Lord. I'm pretty certain. Uh, this uh, is, is Richard again. Richard, the mountain gorilla, 
who's not very happy. You have to look at the picture because it just makes your day, really. It really does make your day. It's, it's lovely. Uh, top officer calls burglar's death a tragedy. This is what Richard Littlejohn is talking about. And uh, as I say, it's always a, a tragedy. But, you know, if somebody goes equipped to burgle somebody's house and there's a wife with dementia in bed... Something's going to happen, isn't it, I think? Tony in Southsea says, one wonders how Stephen Mulhern would get on doing an eight-hour day in a real job. Do you know, the amount of hours he worked, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. These things, you can't just walk into. Everything's got to be rehearsed. The lottery show will be rehearsed. And he's in the middle of doing another show. But, as I say, whether, you know, which, which bits are recorded, which bits aren't, I don't know. I can't remember on that one. But no, it's uh, these people, they do sometimes spend a long time having to do it because everything's got to be rehearsed. And not just rehearsed for you. It's got to be rehearsed for, for the lighting, for the sound, for the cameramen. Everybody's got to be rehearsed so they know what it is. When we did Five's Company a long time ago, and, um, it, you know, I, I would be really surprised if we didn't rehearse that. We had to rehearse straight away. And, and it took... Ages, ages and ages to, to rehearse. And uh, wait a minute. I think I got something from Stephen Mulhern a minute ago. I've now lost the blooming thing as well. <gasps> Why do I keep... I keep getting so many networks here, which is very odd. I get, you know, everybody's got a network and I think... You would lose your money, Steve Allen Show, as I'm talking about something we both love on Lorraine. He says, yes, I'm talking about magic. You're so not, are you? Oh, fab. Actually, <laughs> I'm waiting on a parcel from a, a magic company at the moment. I am well, Stephen, thank you. So I'm going to lose my money. Are you telling me that you're not going to mention... Is it pre-wrecked? Or are you, are you not telling me that you're going to mention the, the news about the lottery, that ITV have got it, and you've got it? 90 seconds, I tell you. That's a contract I could do with, Stevie. Uh, anyway, anyway, anyway. Oh, God, I just realised we've got to finish. I knew there was something I had to do. Then go home. Go home. Uh, because we finished with it. Thank you so much for your time and trouble. Thank you for all the sausage jokes. Thank you for all the rude street names. That was very, very interesting this morning. There was something even I'd not heard about. And apparently it's not just here. They're abroad. They're all over the place. Uh, the anger this morning directed towards the people who took their clothes off. That's something you'll never find Stephen Mulhern and myself doing. We're never, no amount of money would ever get me to take clothes off. Thank you very much. In fact, basically, people would be complaining. Children would be crying. Small animals would be sort of going, oh, I don't want to watch, don't want to watch. But I'll be back with you on Sunday morning, between five and seven, for the first look at the Sunday papers, the proper look at the papers, where we can sort of get our teeth into it. Gold knows what state we're going to be in by that time. Let's hope there's nobody else taking their clothes off. But if you go to the LBC website, LBC co.uk you can download that lbc app as well as listening to lbc wherever you are you can listen back to this and all of the other programs from the last week for free on the catch-up feature and you can do that to get my free podcast as well i'm a little bit extra today i'm talking about the anger being expressed towards colleen nolan and her uh, her cabal uh, and why you the public are right to be angry you'll also find out which reality tv person appears to be preparing to make a fitness dvd which you won't be buying please Plus, I'll tell you which BBC presenter I really want to disappear and do so quickly. Dreary, irritating and awful. A little bit extra available very shortly and it's free. Download the LBC app for iPhone or Android. Tap on catch up. Ten o'clock this morning, it's James O'Brien. But next, with breakfast, the award-winning Nick Ferrari. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.